Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Real Deal Talk. Guys, I am riled up today. Yes, I know I'm riled up all the time. I know this. I know. But today is extra special. Today is the first shoot of Real Deal Talk in my new studio. Okay, it gets better. And our first official guest in the new studio is a man that has had an effect on my life that he doesn't even know. And frankly, I don't think I can even fathom how far what his influence on me has done and is going to do in my entire life. Ladies and gentlemen, Tracy Armstrong is in the house. This guy is prophetic as it gets. He's a marketplace beast. He's a pastor. He spits fire. He's a man of God. He is absolutely one of my favorite guys in my entire life and somebody that just inspires me. And you're going to, you're going to hear it today. The fire that comes out of this guy is absolutely unreal. Pastor Tracy Armstrong, welcome to the show. Welcome to Real Deal Talk. Thanks, JD. Glad to be here, man. Come on. Exciting. Great, great studio. Great location. Yep. Things right. are about to rock in a new the, level. Yeah, dude. And, and, and I, and I purposely guys, by the way, um, I had a whole bunch of other guests actually, I had two other guests scheduled. I actually pushed them off because I thought, you know what? I want to christen the new location with a true man of God hmm. to set the tone in this new studio. And, and moving forward with the show, I want to set the tone, like almost like the rebirth of Real Deal Talk Come on, with none other than yourself. Come on. Well, it's a privilege. Come bro. on. It's a privilege. So we're, we're going to get down here. First and foremost, uh, let me thank you all for tuning in. Um, the feedback I'm getting when I'm all over town, DMs, text messages. Frankly, it's still kind of mind boggling to me, but I can't thank you enough for tuning in the feedback. Keep it coming because it's what keeps me going. Guys like Trey, same thing. We just keeps us going. You know, let us know if you something inspired you. Um, and, and by the way, if you want to support the show financially, Real Deal Sleep pays the bills around here. Real Deal Sleep. That's my mattress company. Um, if you need a mattress, a pillow, a sheets, go to realdealsleep.com. You can uh, text me there, book an appointment. I do zero gravity sleep systems. If you're sleeping flat, you don't know anything. Uh, you're missing out on life. You need to sleep with zero gravity, feet elevated, head elevated. It's going to increase your blood circulation, your oxygen intake, any snoring issues. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support the show financially because Real Deal Sleep's paying the bills, go ahead and hit me up. And anyway, once again, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and for giving me feedback about the show. So here we go. Let's go, Tracy. Let's go back here, man, because I actually don't even know your story at all. I know of what you do now and in, in the limelight with media and, and preaching and all that stuff. Um, but as far as going back here, where were you born and raised? I am from Seattle, Washington. I was born in an area outside of Seattle called Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington, and um, was was born. My mom was 16 when she gave birth. To oh, me. wow. 16, pregnant, of course, impregnated at 15 and a half. Young, young, full of energy, fire, don't know my father, don't know who he is, don't know where he is, don't know where he, what his life has been and uh, just been pacing life in in that way. So my, my mom gave birth to me at 16 and within a short period of time left me with my grandmother and she went down to here, California and um, tried to find herself. 
Wow. And I was with my grandmother and my grandfather and then in the house of all athletes, my all, all of the athletes were boxers, um, football players, wrestlers. I mean, just high level athletes. And I grew up in that kind of household. Two of them, and, you know, my uncle, Davey, Davey Lee Armstrong, some will know him by Davey Lee Armstrong, was a two time uh, Olympian, gold, uh, Olympian medal winner. And um, so I just grew up in a house of just absolutely obsessed people, people who were driven to achieve. And so I saw the art of of accomplishment. I saw it, didn't understand it completely, but I saw it. I saw the work ethic. And so, um, yeah, out of Tacoma and then, you know, moved down to Southern California now, when. Yeah, real quick here. So you said you moved in with you. You say your grandma, my grandma. So in that household, there was all these athletes. Yes. From the family. From the family, yeah, all of her kids, all of my uncles. All of your uncle's kids, so your mom. All of my grandmother's kids, they were my uncles. Got it, okay, got it, got it, got it. Now, your mom, you said she moved? She moved, she moved away. She moved away? Yeah, she moved away. What she, age? So, 16. 16? Yeah, so she, she gave Had her. Had you? basically went and found herself I'm, I'm i don't know what she did so i'm just gonna say she went, went to find herself i found you You're right here <laughs> i don't know where i don't know where she's at i, I mean i know where she's at now yeah. but i didn't know where she i don't know what she did at the time of 16. she's she was wild foot loose ready to go yeah. experience life and and then um years later when i was six she came back and got me and um yeah i, I lived with her a year. Then I was like, man, this is not my lifestyle. Then I go back to my grandma and then, you know, be around these high achievers, these athletes. And then I'm like, well, then she'd say, well, come and visit me for a summer. And I'd go and see her for a summer. And then I'm like, oh, I love you, mom. I want to be with you. And I spend the time, but I'm like, this is not my lifestyle. And my mom, ultimately, I want to bring you to this place where in a part of finding herself in in that search, she found she was she became became a Muslim. She found Allah and became a Muslim, and you know lived her life. So part of me not liking the lifestyle that I was involved in was not a crazy lifestyle of partying, but it was a lifestyle of Islam. I didn't I didn't find myself in Islam. Prayed five times a day, uh, sought Allah, read the Quran, and didn't find any engagement with God through that. And so, um, through a lot of circumstances ended up be, before I, before I became 18, just deciding that there was no God, that mm. there is no God that I have in me, the superpower of whatever I need to achieve, you know, the whole new age concept. And, um, so my mom, she went on her journey. I went on my journey and ultimately, you know, we're, we're, we're buddies. She's my friend. We, I love her. We talk all the time. No way. This yeah, is incredible already yeah <laughs> all right so all right go back here so but as a kid you didn't even you couldn't even have realized that your mom left you just knew that you had a which was your grandma yeah was your mom right exactly because you're so young you don't remember anything no, right right like no. even when she came back, i remember when she came back to get me i remember hiding under the table because my grandmother explained to me that my mom was coming to get me and i hid under the kitchen table not understanding what that looked like, not understanding who I was going to be with, not understanding my stepfather, who that was going to be, um, and literally just hid and didn't want to go. And, you know, I mean, my story is quite interesting because, you know, my, my mom comes back before she, she converts to Islam. And then there's like a backsliding season for her. And she gets connected with my stepfather. 
And my stepfather was someone I really, I really liked, but I didn't realize his lifestyle was, was not conducive for my future, which was, he was a pimp. He was a in and out of, I mean, he was a criminal. He was yeah. a career criminal. That was his, his life. Wow. And so uh, I went to live, live with him in Oakland and grew up around a criminal life. You did. Yeah. 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 It was quite interesting. We had, we have a lot of, uh, just very flavor, flavorful and colorful. <laughs> so when did you go to live with him? What age? So this was, so this was like about, um, between that six, seven, eight yeah. year old, yep. walk, you know, and being with your dad. When she came to get you. Yeah. Okay. Then she brought you to where she was with the stepdad. Yeah. And at that point, this is the first time you met that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he became my stepdad and he's, you know, his name was, he, we called him champ. His name was really Harry, but we call him champ because he was always just making deals happen. He was. So tell me a little bit about that. What was, do you remember, do you remember any, do you have any memories? Of I admired champ. I mean, he, to me, he was, he was a champ. He was, he was fun. You know, he's, he's a make it happen guy, part of your, he, but the thing that was really most challenging with, with having a dad is he loved to make promises, but he was so busy making deals that he couldn't fulfill his promises, mm. right? And so I grew up with this idea, dads don't have the ability to actually fulfill their promises. They, we're gonna go to Disneyland. I remember him telling me, we're gonna go to Disneyland today. And he told me all the time, he's gonna go, we're gonna go to Disneyland. We lived in Oakland. yeah. So we were gonna drive down to Disneyland. I'm getting in the car, I'm asleep, and we wake up and he's like, okay, we're here. And I, I look around and I see Sylvester the putty cat and I see, I see, you know, log, what is the, the guy with the twisted mustache, yeah. um, Longhorn. Longhorn, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Longhorn. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, this is not Disneyland, dad. This is not Disneyland. This is great America. This is Six Flags. We stopped short. And so this was kind of the pattern that I noticed that he, he was, he made a lot of money, but he was always working deals and talking and, you know, and, um, it was quite interesting. I remember one day I came home from school and we're, we're living in Piedmont Hills in Oakland area. And I come home from school and there's this big machine in the living room. I'm like, what is this? I'm in, I'm in like elementary, like late elementary, maybe getting ready for junior high. And so what is this? And he said, um, he said, this is a ID machine. This was like, he got a machine. Oh, that you know like you would get that you would have you had to have at that print id basically like you'd have the dmv machine in the middle of our living room and he goes hey they sit here and take he took a picture of me put a little little thing in there and then pops out a idaho id idaho license and so you know that was his thing he was able to just he pulled stuff off. And so, so he was doing fake IDs, fake IDs. Yeah. And so Were people coming to the house for these fake no, IDs. No, he never had anybody come to the house, but he just always had a new gig, a new thing. Right. And so I remember one day he was, he was, he was arrested, put in prison. I was so mad because this is my dad. He's in prison. They ship him up to Washington. And, you know, let's say a couple months later, I come home from school and there he is in the living room. I'm like, what, what happened? He goes, well, I, I escaped. He escaped prison three times. Come on. He got kicked out of the state of Washington, could never go back. He, they couldn't even put him in a prison in Washington because he would always escape, escape. And so he was just kind of a wild guy. And but at, in the same time, he was so he was good to me. Yeah, he was good to me. He treated you well. He treated me well. There there is. Um, you know, again, movie, movie, movie level insight here. Uh, one day, you know, a part of this lifestyle of a criminal lifestyle is that he 
his his work is at night. Yeah. So he's working at night. My mom's working at night. Everybody's at, that leaves me at home by myself. Yep. You know, kid, I'm, let's go back around six, seven years old. I'm at home. I spent most of my time at, alone. I didn't, I had friends outside, but when they're gone, I had to be in so the house. So there's no brothers and sisters. No brothers and sisters. Yeah. I'm just by myself. And uh, I, I'm sleeping in my room. I put myself to bed one time, you know, then all of a sudden you hear this, this smack. Well, the smack is someone's kicking in the front door. They come in, they're going through the house. They're taking all the furs. They're taking all the jewelry. They take on all the stuff. And then they open up the back, my, my door and they look in and they see me and they close the door and they leave. And I think, I think nothing. I'm thinking, well, yeah. my, my, they must have some people hanging around here, some party. And I had no idea what was going on. Went back to sleep, wake up the next morning to come on, let's talk. And the police op, police are there and they open up this book and he says, have, do you recognize anybody that was here last night? And so I start to point out oh, no. the person that opened up the door and I'm, and I'm like, this guy was the guy. And I had no idea what was going on. And then later, you know, we're taking a drive with, I'm taking a drive with my dad. And we're just chilling, you know. He always had these Cadillac Seville's. He loved Cadillacs. <laughs> and so I'm you, driving. You're gonna, you're gonna die. Like my first car when I started, <laughs> when I became an X-ray technologist, I got my first car. Yeah. Tw uh, tw um, twenty-two years ago, my first car was yeah. a Cadillac STS Seville. Oh yeah. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Go, go. There's nothing. There's nothing like there a isn't. There's nothing like there it. There isn't. Go. And so you wow. know, I, I'm, I'm just taking you on a journey here, but. Yeah. You know, I said, Dad, and I don't know where this question came from. I said, Dad, have you ever killed anyone? Because I know his life. I yeah. know his life. Has he ever killed anyone? He goes, yeah. And I said, who? And he goes, remember when you pointed someone out in oh in that God. book? And I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah. Wow. And, get, and that's that's that that was what I, what? that was the guy. What was your feeling right there? I was like, wow. And that I was said, because he couldn't have that guy no, you, you, well, he, you can't come kicking into my house and taking my furs and stealing and what, what, what my son sitting in the back room sleeping. You know. Oh my God. So I went wow. from, I went from being with these high level Olympian athletes to this and, and somewhat empire building, you know, criminal life, you know, real, real life criminal. And I What's see your the mom extremes, the you know, my mom is one of the gals, you know, she's, you know, she's just, I mean, she's like his wife, but you know, she's in business. So she was, she was in the business. She's in business. Doing her part. Yeah. Wow. All right. Keep going. Give me, give me like, where did that go? How long did <laughs> so, that last? So, so, you know, I, but at the same time, I'm torn with this idea that I have a grandmother that's a seven day Adventist praying woman. And she's praying for me every single day. She's praying and seeking. I feel, I feel this, this prayer. And at this point, I'm, I'm like, there is no God that you can't be in the midst of what I'm in the midst of and think that there's a God. And so I just had this atheist kind of posture that all of the, all of, if it's going to be done, it's going to be done because of the power that's within me. Right. Yeah. And then I have this understanding that I've never seen God. I've never seen him work. I've never seen him active. When my, when my grandfather was, was dying of cancer, I prayed and I never saw, he didn't heal. He didn't heal my grandfather. So I'm like, God, you're not really, you're not powerful. Cause my, my, my thought pattern was very simple. My, I still think of pretty, I think I'm a pretty simple thinker. I don't yeah. try to get too intense, but I think a lot of, about a lot of things. And so I said, God, it, you know, when my bike breaks, 
the chain goes off. I'm able to put the chain back on. And here we go. We're back to rolling again. I said, if you're God, if someone's life breaks, you should be able to fix the chain on their life. And I'm praying this when I'm a kid. How come you can't heal my grandfather? I prayed every day for it. My grandfather dies of cancer. And then, you know, so I'm like, there is no God. That was a turn for me. I was completely gone from that. Um, so, so from there, I became an atheist. I become someone who's trying to live in this foot, footsteps of champ. Yeah. I didn't go, I tried to work, you know, footsteps of my, my uncles, but you know, I didn't give myself, my, my coach would always say, Tracy, you are so fast. You have so many moves, but you lack initiative. You lack the ability to, when it's time to give the hit, give the hit. I was Billy White Shoes Johnson, just yeah. kind of just always moving and juking and jiving, not wanting to take the hit, not wanting to give the hit. And so that just brought me into this place where I said, well, either I can go and give myself to sports, which I love sports. I right. love, yeah. I love football. I loved wrestling, but I just didn't see myself living that that life. But so I became a drug dealer. So I started dealing drugs. What age? That was all throughout high school. All throughout in high, high school. In high school. I would, we had, we, I had a van. Still living with champ and mom. No, I'm living with grandma. But now you're with grandma. Well, I'm up in, I'm up in Seattle, Washington area at that time. And I'm partying in Washington. Partying. So did you move away from uh, mom then? Is that? Well, no. Yeah, kind of. I had a house. I had a room still in the house, yep. but I, I was out partying all the time and I was never home. Had a, I had one of those. Yeah, Scooby-Doo vans, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> white Scooby-Doo, a Ford van with the, with the big tires. Oh yeah. And it had, you know, you know, diamond tuck and a bed. And so I just was like, okay, before van life was popular, like it is now, you can start a YouTube channel with your van life and That's actually right. become a millionaire. If I, I had back in the day, I would be a millionaire on YouTube, just catching myself. Cause I'm sleeping and partying and we go to clubs at night and that's where my business happened, right outside of clubs, stay up all night, party, and then sleep in the van, go go to a friend's house or go home and, and shower, get done and do it all again the next day. Did Champ know you were doing this? No, Champ didn't know. He didn't know? No, he had no idea. Champ Champ at that point was in and out of prison. He'd yeah. been doing you know a lot of, lot of time. And um, he did come up just right before I got saved um, and hung out a couple of times. I didn't see him a lot in that season. So what, mom, did mom know you were doing this? No. 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 No idea. Grandma didn't know. So how did you start? Did you just start like, hey, here, I'm, was it just weed? It just. Well, it started with Coke. Oh, I, was wow. smoke, I was smoking weed and I was selling weed, but it was started with Coke. It started with. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. right I in. didn't do a lot of Coke myself, yeah. but it was, it was, it was money. Yeah. Oh it yeah. Was, it was money. That's the biggest turnaround. Yeah. The biggest ROI. Yeah, it was right. money. And so we would go to a place called Mount Vernon, Washington, and you could just get, you know, just a lot of, a lot of Coke. Wow. And this was, this was in high school. This so was in you high become, school. Did you become well known as the guy, the go-to guy? Well, yeah. And, and I ultimately ended up going, I'm, I'm not, why should I go to school? I'm making so much money. And so, you know, my 12th year, I didn't, I didn't finish. And so I ended up going and just partying and yeah and spent a lot of time traveling around on on the on the road in your van in my van no way all yeah. right so how did you get out of that well there was a point where i i was we were out partying all night we went to we, you know we're at all night clubs we're yeah. not at clubs that close at two we're at clubs that close at nine and then there's an after party you know at nine of in course. the morning right and so i remember one day we're like 
we're so hungry. Let's go eat, bro. This is so like, it's the party's done. I'm hungry. So we go to IHOP. And as I walk into IHOP, I remember people looking at us going like, you guys are criminals. And I, and I didn't like the look. I didn't like the look. I didn't like the look enough to where I'd say, oh, I'm about to hurt you. But I didn't like the look. And I remember thinking they're looking at me because they don't think I'm a go getter. They don't think I'm actually an achiever. And I don't know where that thought came from. And then I then I from that day that like the next day I woke up and and I was walking down. I took a walk in my on my street and I said, I wonder what it's like to be a go getter. That's what that, that was my question. I wonder what it's like to be a go getter. I saw what it was like for how people responded as someone that was just making, you know, this party in. Yeah. But I wonder what it's like for people to look at you and go, man, that guy's a go-getter. And that was the pivot for me. That was the shift. And so, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't immediately stop what I was doing, but I started studying real estate. I started studying other aspects of how could I make money and be a go-getter? How could I be someone that would actually take charge of my life and my destiny? And that then took me to a place where I said, well, I'm going to go and do what everyone else does. I'm going to go get a job. <laughs> so I went, to, I went to get a job. I worked at a shoe store called Kenny Shoes, Kenny Shoe Store. I don't know if you. Yes. And so you go I in and, the name. and you learn how to sell shoes, selling shoes. And, and then um, just right before I got saved, I started working at Kenny's Shoe Store. It kind of all led to these, this, these thoughts. And this thought was still. I wonder what it's like to be a go-getter. I wonder what it's like to be a go-getter. And, and so that was always, that was the thing that's still, that's still the thing that drives me today. I want to be a go-getter. I want to be someone who gets up and goes and gets it, not someone who waits for it to come, but I'm a, I'm a go, I'm a go get it. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you want to achieve any, any type of above average lifestyle or make an actual impact on the world, you got to go get it. Yeah. You I mean, have look, to go look at it. this studio. I mean, look at your yeah, business. Yeah. Look at your, your podcast. Yeah. You're a go-getter. I like you. you yeah. you're, I can Thank see you. the go-getter obsession in your face. And it's constantly there. Oh, yeah. You Constantly. probably sleep with a with a go getter face. Yeah, I do. He's like, yeah. yeah, I'm ready to go. You wake up and you go getter yeah. face. It's yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm pissed that I have to sleep. I'm like, oh, I gotta sleep. sleep. I'm ready. At to least go. I'm sleeping on zero gravity. That's right. <laughs> Which I, put, I need to know about. Yeah. By the way, I put my massage feature on and my lumbar support, and yeah, yeah. life is good, dude. Yeah. But yeah. I'm still upset that I have to. Say, Man, I gotta sleep because I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to start this day. All right, so keep going. Now, mom, is she in the picture at all? What what what's going on with mom? No, man, I'm I'm in my own. I'm I'm like a, a wanderer in my life and just trying to find me. And and you know, she's 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 I know she's there. We don't we didn't talk very much. Um my the story became I became pretty bitter towards my mom. Um, you know, and I don't didn't know why until after I got saved. I didn't really understand that. But I remember, you know, I was home with my grandmother, came to visit my grandmother, hang out with her. And, you know, when I'm not sleeping on couches or sleeping in vans, you know, I'm hanging out with her and, she, and my mom comes and she introduced me to her, her new husband. And I didn't even know she got married. I'm like, you got married. Oh, okay. Here's. And then, so I meet this new husband and his name, um, Charles Muhammad. He just recently went and uh, passed away. Mm. And, um, so, but that, that was my introduction. I think I was, you know, 20, yeah, 19 yeah. or 20 meeting him. And I'm like, Hi. And so you dropped out of, you didn't graduate high school. I dropped out of school. You dropped out of school. Yeah. And that's, so when you dropped out of school, that's when you went into IHOP and started thinking about go-getters? Yeah. Did you go back to school? What happened there? I ended up going back to school so that I can get into the ministry. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, but that's too far ahead. We don't. Yeah, we can't we don't, jump. We can't jump okay. that far. That's too many years. That's to too jump. many. Okay, <laughs> I picked up on that. All right, so jump to because you keep saying before you got saved. So this yep. is pretty close here. Yeah, we're, close we're getting to, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, yeah. so lead up to it. So I'm in this I'm in this place where I'm I'm wanting to be a go getter. I'm trying to learn about real estate, learning about business, just studying everything I can, going to you know seminars and just trying to understand what what the life of a go-getter is and then i find myself um feeling you know feeling detached just feeling disconnected one of my friends who i did a lot of my partying with this he just disappeared one day and i went looking for him went to his house i'm like what happened he was his his windows were all shut his his curtains were all pulled and he didn't answer the door for days and i went and i knocked again and one day he answered the door. I'm like, what happened to you, bro? We, we were partying. We're on the way. This is the guy I would always argue with. He's like, no, I, he had a Bible next to his bed. And yeah. even though he was a partier, he had a Bible there and he would always argue with me. We would say, Hey, I say there, I'm an atheist. There is no God. He goes, there's a God, no matter what we have to answer to this God. <clears throat> and one day he was walking down the road, just down the street. And the Lord said, give me your life. Give me your life. I want your life. Give your life to me. And this is a, like a voice that hit him and he just starts running down the road and, and gives his heart to the Lord. He, he then hides because the Lord tells him he has to get away from me. He has to get away from me. I go to his house and I'm like, you don't have to get away from me, bro. Let's go hang out. Let's go party. Let's. And so I, he says, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm like, well, let's just go hang out. So we hang out and I end up going by and some weed and I get him high and he crashes his Carmagia and, and, you know, and so he has to really run from me. He goes to a place called Northwest Bible College to get away from me. It's, it's, it's about an hour and a half away. And the whole time he's there, he puts my, How are you feeling at this point? Like he's trying to, your friend's trying to get away from he's you. Trying, this is my best friend. He's trying to get away from me. I'm like, we, well, you know, I, I did. And I was kind of like, <laughs> I got you good Christian boy in an accident. You know, it's kind of, I was punk. I was a, I was just yeah. a punk, you know. Yeah, you're a knucklehead. <laughs> I was just a knucklehead. So <laughs> it was like, I was kind of, I thought it was funny, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you persecute me? Right. And so. I end up, I end up getting into this, um, the situation where, where he's, he's away and I'm, I'm starting to really want to be ambitious for the next level. So I'm working at the Kenny shoe store. Kenny's. I keep going back to that because it's, I can't it's, believe that it's, name dude. It's, it's really pivotal. I haven't heard it in 40 years. Yeah. It's like, it's been, it's been a long, it's been a while. And so I end up meeting this girl and man, I really, I really like this girl. And so. I end up moving in with her and she happens to live right around the corner from the Northwest Bible College that my friend is. And I and I'm driving there to to go to the house and I'm like, oh, there's where my friend is. He's right there, like just like a literally just 10 minutes away if I just get in walk. And so I thought I'm going to go and visit him. So I walk over and back then. There's no phones, right? No, there's, no there's, phones, right? there's, there's, no, there's pagers. I think there's pagers, pagers. <laughs> pagers. I think there's pagers and you, there's big bag phones probably, yeah. you know, and, you know, these big old bag yeah, phones. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but I didn't have any phone. Right. right. So I'm, I'm going, I walk around and I go and I look for him and they say, oh, he's in the prayer room. And so I go to the prayer room and he's in there praying and I see my name 
up on this prayer board. Shut up. And he's been praying for me for the last year. My grandmother's praying for me. This guy's praying for me. And I remember walking in going, oh my goodness, this is, this is weird. It's strange. I'm like, he's praying. This is the guy I used to party with, smoke and drink and do crystal meth and do all the stuff that we would do. And, and he's praying for me. And I feel this, I feel, I feel pretty weird, but at the same time, I'm feeling mad. He told all of the people there, he says, if Tracy ever comes, don't talk to him about God. Just, just, just love him. And I didn't know what I was feeling when I walked on the campus, but I felt this, this thing, something, something like, and I know what it is now. I can describe it as love, but I felt like a closeness. And I remember getting there and just being a little, being a little irritated by it, but at the same time feeling like just, this is a, a real thing. And he says, well, we can't hang out right now. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church tonight. It's Wednesday night service. And I said, well, you know, I don't want to go home right now. I'll go to church with you. And so I go to church and there's this guy that's telling his story. You know, he's just up there telling his story. And that's what, that's how I interpret He's telling his story. And he's, he gets into this thing where it's like, um, you know, I got saved and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my house and the Lord said to me, get up and go to this address. I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm listening to this guy tell the story. Get up and go to this address. He goes to the address, knocks on the door, opens up, and there's a bunch of drug addicts in there. God gave him the address, gave him a name of a person and tells and goes in and, and, and ministers to them. They all get saved. I think to myself right at that moment, I said, God, if you're real, if you're real, then you know, you can do the same thing that you did for those those people, those drug addicts, you can do that for me. I'm not a drug addict. I just sell drugs. <laughs> no qualifier. Right, right. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a drug addict. I just sell drugs. And I said, so if you can do that for them, then have this guy do what they used to do in my grandmother's church, which is invite people to the front. And so as soon as I said that, the guy goes, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, then come to the front. Be- before I could even think about it, I was at the front giving my heart to Jesus and crying. So that was my pivot. That was my change. That was my, my transformation. Was your friend just losing his mind? Yeah. Well, he, he was, he, he probably was, and I was so in caught up. I don't know exactly what he was doing, but this one guy comes to me. It's really, really dark skinned, like, like black guy. And he's super, super dark. And he's like, get this incredible, like white eyes and white teeth. And he's just smiling. And he says, and he says this thing to me that, that just, just kind of stuck to me and he says get ready for the next six months are going to be the most adventurous six months of your life and i was like and he's smiling like he's obsessed he's he's got he's, yeah. he looks looks like you except for you're white yeah, you know right. Right? So it's like this obsessed guy that's like get ready the best time of your life is about to hit and and i remember thinking that's that's amazing i want an amazing adventurous life yeah and so i was looking forward to the next six months they they sneak me onto the campus of Northwest Bible College. I stay there for two weeks right before Christmas break, and they just disciple me. And I go from one one dorm room to another dorm room, and they're just teach me about the Bible. They're, this guy, this guy, this this guy, this he, <laughs> black, black guy yeah. that's bright eyed, and he was there. He was there. He was constantly reading reading the Bible to me, and I remember thinking, this guy is the smartest guy I know. How is this guy so smart? And 
what he was reading. He was reading Proverbs. He's just reading Proverbs. Wisdom is, wisdom is coming. I'm like, this guy is the most brilliant guy yeah. in the world. And he's just reading Proverbs. And I remember at the end of the, the two weeks, I was I was changed. I was rocked. Wow. Yeah. What was, your, was your friend just loving this? He was, he loved it. And, we, and then his, his thing was he would take me on the street and we'd street preach. We'd preach at the mall and we'd do all kinds of, you know, just get out there. And, what does that mean? What does Give that me mean? Give me an example. Yeah, well, I mean, he'd literally go, okay, we're going out to evangelize. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And he'd say, listen, you just go out and you tell people what's up. You tell people what's happening. And I remember he took me to the a place called the, the Tacoma Mall and he's preaching. He's telling people about the love of Jesus. And and I saw some people that, that I knew from the past and they go, oh, what's up? What's new? And I said, oh, nothing's new. And I remember getting back home and the Holy Spirit going, you didn't tell him about me. I'm mm. the, I'm the new one in your life. How come you didn't tell him? And I thought, okay, so that's what I've got to do. I've got to tell them yeah. about the new thing that's in my life, which is you. And I'm saying it's nothing new. And so I go back out the next time and they're like, what, you know, meet people, encounter people. And, you know, cause <laughs> not, not to go back a little bit, but I also Please. am a dancer. So part oh, come of on. part of part of Here this part of the, part of this How world could you go over this <laughs> part don't of this be world. skipping across your your man your, i tell you your cardboard on the floor it, and, i had cardboard come on i had cardboard <laughs> i had i had linoleum i would carry linoleum no yeah i carry i was totally the break dancer yeah and so yes with the boom box yeah boom box i'm that was my jam and you know i did that for a while with pepsi pepsi breaker and michael jackson interpret in uh uh dancer i was i was the a, a lip syncer from for Pepsi to do Michael Jackson, no way. yeah, Billie Jean, and so, so you could do the Billie Jean dance, yeah, the oh, whole Billie Jean, all of, it, all of it, the the, the hip thrust, crotch. You know, yes. We don't want to talk about that now that we're in a god, but um, you know the kick, this the moonwalk, all of that fun stuff, jury curl. <laughs> <laughs> got dripping jerry curl juice all on my neck and, and you were gonna pass over this How yeah i'm sorry man because it's because I'm, I'm used to telling just the pivot the the big pivotal points and there's yeah, a lot of no, stuff in no, between no. it's like you, you you don't have enough time for me to, to tell you my history <laughs> we got time on real deal talk we got nothing but time baby uh, i hope you listeners are enjoying they're this. used to it yeah they're used to tuning in 20 minutes here 20 minutes there it yeah. takes about a week to listen to, to one to podcast knock it out. yeah, yeah that's to knock good. it out <laughs> they're gonna be thankful that we got to the cardboard and the, the lino, the lino, linoleum. Yeah, the cardboard the linoleum, man. Just carry that around and spin on my head. Spin, spin in on my head. You my the head elbow, spin? head spin, no back spin, all of it. That was my jam. You know, I got I got caught up in that in in high school. It was just kind of something to do. You what know, was be, the go to song? Was it Run DMC? Oh, there was you know Beastie Boys, <laughs> Run D, Run DMC. It's just like you you can give a whole gamut of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! All yeah. right, so where were we before you went back to? I'm sorry, I, we, over we dancing. Were, yeah, um, uh, you were on. Um, uh, you were you got saved. Uh, your buddy at the Bible College, right? Keep going there. All right, so Bible College end up you know getting discipled there, and then they're taking me on the street. And so a lot of people I bump into, they go. knew me as a break dancer. They they were oh, like, they did. So they you're like, oh, so how's it going? What's new? And I'm like, nothing's new. So that's that's a lot of the conversation was because I used to break dance in the Tacoma Mall. Now I'm not. I don't have no. So you 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 would lay down the linoleum in the mall. <laughs> well, you know the mall's nice and slippery already. So you just you just meet up with other 
like breakdancing gangs and you just get do it's like you know you breakdance so you don't meet up and yeah just, you this is like the beat the beat it kind of like connection <laughs> you break dance and war and then you get kicked out of the mall because you're breakdancing and oh. Yeah, uh, so you know, they but I'd run into people, and in the I'm not breakdancing; I'm just walking the mall, talking to people, and so they're like, "What's up? What's new?" And so the Holy Spirit's like, "You got to tell them." So that that became the conversation, yeah. and I realized that there's a, it's a real thing to actually tell your story, to tell people your story, mm. where you've been, what how, what what's changed, how did you change, who changed you, and then what your life has been after the change. And Love so I, I realized that you know that's what a testimony is is who who you were, how did that, that change happen? I met Christ. What did that, what happened after that? This is the life that, uh, that I live after this. And so I, I, I become equipped in that. And so th that was evangelism for us, not going out and just, you know, trying to just later became where I'm preaching on the street corners and I'm one of those guys, right? Those guys, yeah. you know, preaching on the street corner. I remember first time preaching on the street corner, you know, guy spits a loogie on me and, and you know, and I have to not be my old guy. I have Your to old be, guy. I have to be my <laughs> new guy and keep on preaching, right? And so, yeah, that that was that was all good things. And so that that led me into the place where I I felt like I I was called to ministry. I did not want to go in the ministry. I was I wanted to be in Hollywood. I wanted to be in the industry. I wanted to be in media. I wanted to be in. But I kept reading when I read the Bible. This 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 person like a john the baptist and all of these guys these prophets would just speak to me i don't didn't know why but it was just like i saw myself in their space and i remember just having this argument with god i don't want to go to the i don't want to go into ministry ministers are poor they're broke they have nothing um they wear patent shoes and they they were they have these leisure suits and i don't want to be in that i want to be i want to be wealthy i want to be famous i want to be known I want to be an actor. I want to, you know, do my gig. And, but I kept feeling this call. And so I remember the Lord just saying, if you will go to ministry, I'll give you business later. And so, you know, that was my, 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 my next pivot going into ministry with the Bible school down in Southern California. And then That's, what was the first move that you did? Like when you went in, when you decided to go to ministry, like, did you go to a church? What did you do? Well, you know, I was going to church already. Yeah. I was going to church. And the first thing I started to do is because when I was complaining to God about being a minister, he wants me to go into ministry. I want to go into acting. He said, incorporate them. Yeah. And so I, my first move to ministry was I was, I played Peter and I played Matthew in an, in a play. I got introduced to ministry through wow. acting. And so a major play, the largest, the largest passion play, outdoor passion play in the United States at the time, the largest passion play, the second largest in the world. And so I played Peter, I played Peter and Matthew and the devil in that play. And that's, that was how I really first engaged. And I remember watching, I would watch TBN or watch TV, Christian TV all the time. And I remember seeing Benny Hinn for the first time doing this, you know, Benny in, you know? I've heard the name. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a miracle guy. He's, yeah. he's got, you know, lots of miracles been doing it for years. And so I remember watching him on TV and he prayed for this little girl. I believe it was a little girl who had deaf ears. He, he prayed for her, put his fingers in her ears and commanded her to hear. And her ears ultimately opened and in front of a crowd of, you know, 10,000, 
20,000 people. The place goes crazy. The girl can't stand the hearing because it's so loud. She'd never heard anything like that. I remember thinking, how many lives are going to be changed because of this girl's life? Right. And I thought, man, God, if you can use Benny Hinn, you can use me. Well, I'm in the passion play. I'm in this play. I'm running around doing my lines and everything. At the end of it, the, the we take our bow and we come to the, the front and the crowd gets to come down and, and meet us. This lady brings this little this little boy up, about six years old, and she says, my son wants to meet you. And I'm like, well, why does he want to meet me? Because I'm 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 a I'm a secondary actor. Here's Jesus. Jesus, you want to meet Jesus. And so he's no he's been beating on his chest, asking to meet you the whole time. I'm like, okay. so why is he beating on his chest? I'm curious. She says, well, because he he's deaf and he's and he's dumb. He can't speak. And so when he he's beating on his chest, my heart wants to meet him. Right. And he's pointing at me everywhere I'm at. And so I'm like, okay. so can I pray for him? And as I, you know, all I can do is what I saw Benny Hindu, right? Right. I just put my fingers in his ears and I say, in the name of Jesus, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to get out of this little boy. His ears pop open. He's completely healed. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, if I can use Benny Hinn, I can use you. And so this starts wow. me on this, this connection where ministry and ministry and acting work together intertwined they're intertwined and so i'm in this space where i'm like okay i need to see this more and you know did did, did, did the mom lose her mind well yeah it was i was losing my mind i was like like really literally like i i went i went to this like you know you get something happens miraculous i get this tunnel vision i'm like excited for everybody else but i'm like really looking at going man this was awesome god can we do this again Right. And yes, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's, but I really don't know what they're doing. I'm thinking, can we do this again, God? I want to see this again. I want to have this power again. And so I just go on this, this search for power. Wow. Oh my gosh, dude. Unbelievable. How old are you at this point? I'm just, I'm just newly saved. So I'm 20, I get saved at 21. 21. Right before I get saved at 20. No. So November and and you know so my birthday was is in March so I got saved just months before my birth my what, twenty one birthday. What day in March is your birthday? Uh, the seventeenth. Seventeenth, yeah. March 9th. Come on, Brad. So okay, so by the way, you keep saying you got saved, yeah. And you're and we're just we're assuming that all my listeners know what that means. Yeah, I want you to explain that. Okay, so and, and I'm glad you brought that yeah, up yeah, because yeah. the 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 part of when you meet Jesus, you bring Jesus, you you present your heart and your life to Jesus, and you ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Now, the gospel is very clear that humanity has sin, and it's not because anyone specifically like I'm a sinner, not not necessarily because of my actions, but because the fact that Adam already Adam sinned and his sin, because we're byproduct of him, has become our sin. And Jesus wanted to be the one that would set us free from that original sin and the sins that we live in. Jesus comes, gives his life for us, dies on the cross. So if you never heard of why Jesus died on the cross is because he's dealing with your sin and the original sin. Yeah. And he's taken it all. He's, what was the original sin? The original sin uh, was a sin of disobedience, right? It's a okay. sin of disobedience where God said, I have a best life for you. And I set before you two options, the the best life or the life that is that is the knowledge of good and evil life, which is the knowledge that you have ability to fail. You have the ability to miss the mark. And when 
when when he was in his curiosity yeah. with his wife uh took of that that knowledge of good and evil which was the life that you had to experience life on your own and you 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 he did it out of disobedience right and just a short answer yeah um of course there's a doctrine but that's a short answer he disobeyed yeah. god in the sense that god had a better plan for him and he chose the plan that was just that that was urgent that yep. made him feel good yep, yep. and in that the lord um in God's response was, okay, you made a mistake, but I'm going to fix your mistake by, by sending my son. And Jesus came as the son of God, died on the cross for us and rose again, his life and showed us that we can have a new life after all of the challenges and all the problems and pain. So when, when I got saved, it's what I'm doing is when you, you give your heart to the Lord, you say, well, I accept the fact that you paid all of the price for me. I don't need to pay the price again for my sins. I don't need to pay the price of death, hell. I don't need to do that. I can now start living a life that is a flourishing life. And you get a, you get a basically a, um, a Mario brother reset. Exactly. So it's basically like a, the old life is dead. Yeah. And you got the new life, which is why they call it born again, born again. Right. Yeah. Now you got this new life. Yeah. You're born from God, not born from just your parents, but you're born from God. Now God becomes your father and he wants to be a part of all that you do. Every, every aspect of a father is to be needed, right? You have a, you have, you have a daughter, you have a yeah, son, daughter, daughter, daughter and a son and a son. I mean, the, the very thing that makes us a father is that not just that we gave birth to them or we actually pr participated in the, in the, in the experience. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's all us, it's all us. It's, we, we did it all. Yeah, yeah. But the fact is, is the father, a father picture is to want someone who wants to be helpful, wants to be involved, wants to be actively involved and wants to be needed. And so as God, our father, he wants to be needed. We pray because he wants to be needed. We pray because he wants to be invited into what we do. And so that life is a, is a wonderful life. And, and for those that are, um, you know, like, like me, I didn't have a father. I had one, but he was not involved in my life at all. Yeah. And something when I got here to awaken and I got two years ago, got saved, uh, what Jurgen was saying, well, you, you JD, you have a heavenly father Yeah. that loves you. Yeah. That wants you. Yeah. that wants to be a part of your life. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I can, I can buy into this. Yeah. So keep going with this real, I want you to go with this a little bit more about how much he just wants you to be. Cause a lot of us will stray away and go away and right. Yeah. And he's, he's always there. Yeah. Right. Keep go with that a little bit. Well, you know, one of the, one of the great stories in the Bible is, is, a young guy who's working with his in his family business and he comes to the father and says hey i want what's mine i've been working there's equity for me in this business our equity in our life i want what's mine and i'm gonna i want to just go and do my thing and so he the father says hey here's your portion of the business and he takes his portion of the business and he's he hangs around with the family for a while but then he decides i'm gonna just really break out on my own he goes to another city he starts to spend everything he doesn't know how to invest it he doesn't know how to he didn't learn from his father how to do business yeah. he learned from his father how to how to how to spend basically right even not, not even how to spend but he learned that there's money there he takes the money he spends wastes it and it becomes really in desperate. It becomes a, a, a time of famine for him. And he ends up working for someone else that is not like his father, a citizen of that territory. And the guy puts him to work with the pigs and he's working with the pigs. 
And this this kid has never been around pigs. He's a kosher kid, right? He's yeah. never been around pigs. And but yet he's so hungry. He's so hungry, so desperate that he's he's he says, if man, I'm just so hungry. If if someone would just give me some of this food that he's gonna give that the that I'm giving to the pigs, if I can just eat some of this. That's how desperate he was. That's how much he lowered his standard. Then he has this idea. Why am I wanting to, to lower my standard in my life to this? He says, My father's servants eat better than this. He goes, why don't I just go home and say, dad, I'm sorry, I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. Your servants are eating better than I'm eating right now. Don't call me a son. Just call me, just, just call me a servant. Yeah. Let me be one of your hired servants. Can you hire me? And the father looks at him. Well, first of all, the father runs to him, hugs him, kisses him, loves him. And the, and as this, this kid is going through his, his monologue, the father doesn't even pay attention to the monologue and just simply says, servants, come here. I want you to put on a robe. I want to put the robe on him. I want you to put the ring on him and I want you to put new shoes on him. This is now a new royal position. The father didn't look at the son and go, you are such a knucklehead. I, I knew you would fail. The father looked at him and said, listen, I have another level for you because you failed. Mm. And what we don't understand is that God doesn't look at us as a failure. He knows you've already paid the price. He knows you've already been through pain. I'm not going to make you have more pain. I'm going to actually put on you the kind of position that belongs to you anyways. In your school at Hard Knocks, you're going to learn from that. That's you. That's, yeah. not, that's not a part of me. That's not what comes from me. That comes from your own decision. But this story is really about the father, not about the son. This is about the father that puts a robe on him, says, you are still royalty. He never actually says to the son, son or servants, go clean up the boy. Go clean him up. He smells like pigs. We don't have pigs. We don't. He didn't. Ever, he didn't say clean up. He didn't say get no, get perfect. He didn't say anything. He says, I've got royalty for you. And he takes this red robe and he completely wraps the son's past in the red. That's that's the blood of Jesus yeah. that we he wraps the son in the red robe and puts on royalty. Never, never says you stink. I can't believe how much you've done this. He wraps him in royalty first. Then he says, I put a ring on you, put a ring on his finger. He gives him the signet ring of the family, the signet ring, the signet crest that whatever he declares is going to be. He mm -hmm. now has authority again. Sometimes we don't realize that the father just simply wants to restore us to what we are supposed to have. Yeah. He doesn't want to beat us up. He doesn't want to hurt us. And, you know, he, he wants to help us. That's the father's need is to be needed. And so then the next thing he says, he says, now here, son, put servants, put on him, put, put on his feet, new shoes, take the pig poop shoes off. We're going to put the new shoes on him, puts new shoes on him. Now this means that the, the journey that I have for you is new. It's fresh. There's nothing of your old. Your calling is set. There's an anointing for your life to walk in it. And then the third, the fourth thing he says, is go and get that fat calf. The one that we've been sp giving special grain to the one that no, it's, it's special. It's like that, that bottle of wine that we've been saving because there's, it's like the best of the best. Yeah. Go get that. And, and he doesn't serve him the leftovers. He doesn't serve him, you know, the, the servant's food. Now, remember, he came back and said, just, just treat me like a servant. What he's doing is he's elevating him beyond that, even in the position that he had before. Mm. Right. Yeah. God doesn't want to just, he's not good if he just gets you to where you were. He's only good if he takes you to where you had never been, even though you failed. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a Jewish idea. That if a dog does something bad, he chews up the, he chews up the, you know, the, the park, the car, the, the, the you know, the couch or yeah, something yeah. does something bad. He knows, knows he's not supposed to do it. 
what do you do? Do you beat the dog? No, you give the dog a bone because he already knows he feels bad that he's done what he's done. So give him a bone. Why do you reward him? So that he knows that he doesn't have to feel the guilt and the shame of the past and he can go on and be loved by the master again. Right. And so when we realize that God, you know, gets this, this fat calf and says, we're going to have a party and they're celebrating. That's the heart of the father. The heart of the father's, he has to be good. He yeah. has to be better than what you've had. And you've already had the norm. So he has to be, I'm sorry to get into that, but yeah, no, no, I asked you to. So yeah. I'm loving this. Yeah. So right. this, this place of the father is a beautiful space. And, and so what's the main reason for people to fall off, to not strive, to not be obsessed, yeah, to not be a go-getter? Yeah. What happens in our society like, or the world? Well, I Why? Think, you know, I think there's a there's a sense of, you know, the whole original thing. There's a sense of entitlement, right? Mm -hmm. There's a sense of life should be easy. Life should be fair. You know, the word fair is not actually a real word. It's a word that's made up to try to explain why the emotions that I feel. But life should be just like justice is a different word. It's a it's a word that has legal ramifications to it. It's a it's a application and the response. It's a cause and effect. But fair is not a cause and effect. So a lot of people think life should be fair. Right. And so when something happens, they're like, this is not fair. And so they go and they do emotionally what is fair. You know, the, the original sin yeah. is a sin of urgency, right? Yeah. The sin of urgency. So you have an urge. Now, what makes it wrong, that urge? Well, when you give that urge or that urge, whatever that urge is, you give it the timing that it's not supposed to have. Mm -hmm. You make it an urgency. It, it was, didn't mean that we weren't supposed to have that, that, that ultimately, that tree, but it meant that we were supposed to have it in its right time. Right. And so when we do things outside of timing, it's because we don't know delayed gratification. How many times you work with someone in business, you have to help them understand, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to set up a process. We're going to set up a systematic uh, pr approach to it that you can achieve it. Well, everybody wants it now. Everybody. I mean, right now, the biggest thing that we, we have to do, we have to learn to do, the number one thing that millennials and probably not Gen Z, I see a different thing on Gen Zers, but on millennials and, and probably even some baby baby boomers, but but gen, you know millennials is that we want we don't want to make money the way our parents made money. Yeah, they made money sixty five years. They get a little you know they make enough money to live and they we not we even not you know and then at the end of it we get a little we get a little gold watch, right. you know, the millennials are going, we're smarter than that. We don't want to make money that way. We want to make fast money. Well, right now that's what, that's what social media is about. That's what most people are trying to do. And social media is they're trying to make fast money. Well, fast money is literally what it is. It's fast money, but it's not legacy money. Right. And so we need to think not only income, but equity. Mm. And so most people don't think equity. They think in, in, income. They don't think, how is this going to live when I'm not living? Yeah. Where, where is this going to end? And so if I can get my millions, then I'm going to be in a good place. And most people, like you said to me early, wow, you're doing a lot on social media. Well, I've never done a lot on social media because I know social media is income and not equity. Yeah. It may help me in my equity, right. but I spend a lot of time on equity. I spend a lot of time on things that are going to outlive me. The legacies, the things that are undergirded by, it's a root system that you don't see flourishing yet, right? Right. And so, so this is where a lot of people fall off. They start to live by income and they live by the immediate gratification. How can I get what I want? How can I go on the vacation I want? How can I do what I do? 
and and you know what's and not really understanding the price of that and the price of ultimately at some point um you're going you're going to have to work on equity you're gonna have to work on something that is legacy and so how much right now um on this same strain here how much entitlement is happening like in our is it just the worst it's ever been the kids that just feel so entitled well, yeah, and I think ever. I think the realization is we we sell it we sell us something we sell we sell a hope and we sell a dream in America which is a true dream, but when you sell that hope and that dream you have to actually also have a plan, and so we sell often how to so if you if you you know part of my my world in media in in personal branding and helping people become what they are it's is helping them understand yes okay this is the how to. So we'll talk about the strategies and we'll talk about the tactics. But the realization is most people don't want the understanding of why we have these and they just want to show me the how to's. Yeah. Like, so if I go and Google anything or if I go on YouTube, anything, it's all how to base It's tactic oriented. Right. Well, with all of the tactics out there, we should literally be the most equipped people in the world. Why? Because, but. The problem is, is most people don't work on their personal. Uh, they don't work on who they are to even match the how to's that they're getting. Wow. So there's a lot of people that have, they, they go and they buy programs and they have, they're in programs and they have programs, but they, their core being who they are can't ever implement that because they don't know the who they only know the how. And so we need to come back to the, the personal, who they are, whose they are, whose they are. Right. Yeah. Who they are, whose they are. And and the the way of implementation, right? How to implement who that is and who how to do that. Most people don't know implementation. They don't know the real actions that are necessary to get the house. So they'll try it, they'll they'll go to this video, yeah. they'll go to this podcast, they'll do this, they'll get the how-tos. And the next thing you know, they're trying to implement it, but they don't have this. They've never had the steady discipline. Mm. They don't know how to say no to their cravings or their urgencies. Right. Mm. They, they allow their urge to supersede everything else. And so we t part of coaching, part of the world that I'm in. Yeah. I coach people how to say no to your urge so that you can have and not have urgency, because if you have an urge that that controls your timing, then it becomes urgency. I don't want you to lose the urge. I want you to create the urge and make it an obsession. Yeah. An obsession is not an urge that I need to, I actually am willing to stay in this thing long haul to get what I see, right? A lot of people think obsession is just the immediate gratification. No. Obsession is a person who actually stays in it a long haul. Being enthusiastic or being excited about something is what most people live in. And they live in this, this place of passion. Right. This place of passion is a, flighty thing obsession is a stick to it i'm staying with it i'm locked in it it may take me years to get there but i'm going to get there in the long haul the long haul and so how do you how do you how do you coach and, we, and i want to we're going to talk about everything that you actually do yeah because we didn't talk about it in the in the in the intro here yeah. um but how do you what do you advise for people listening, watching? Like, where do you start? Do you start within? Like, who am I? Like, how do you start to you, do that? Yeah, you, know, you know, most people have traded. What, what coaching, when I started coaching, coaching was about results coaching. It was about um, personal development. Right. Knowing that I work with, I work with individuals that run $50 million, $100 million companies. Well, these companies, they don't need me actually to come and give them any house. I never have I had to teach them how to run their business. I elevate their business by elevating the leader. When the leader is elevated, when I help them in their personal levels, when I help them see, 
you know, blind spots, what we call scotomas. When I help them see the blind spots that they don't see, I help them correct those areas. It, it gives them a confidence, a courage. It gives mm. them something within that helps them now apply everything that they know. Yeah. Because the application of the knowledge is is never going to happen if you don't feel like you're the person to apply it. Wow. And so we need you to become the person that can apply the knowledge, the knowing. So person of development, having the results coach, having the mentor, having that person in your life that is able not just to be accountability partner, because I don't know if I believe in accountability partners, because most of the time they just allow you to to get away with complaint. Right. You come to me, you complain, I'm not going to accept it. Your complaint is an excuse to why what I teach you is not going to happen. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want any excuses. We are going to figure a way to do it, right? There's always a way to do it. I'm sorry, I'm just. When you really want to do something, you figure, you, when you really want to do something, you figure out a way. You figure out a way. And excuses, I say this all the time, are yeah. crutches for the weak. Excuses are crutches. For the weak. For the weak. I don't, I don't, I don't accept an excuse. Now, we may have a reason, but the reason never gives us an excuse. Right. Right. So there's a reason excuse are different. So an excuse is I'm excusing myself from the fact that I needed to do it. I don't want that because that makes you immediately unteachable. When you're unteachable, I can't help you. I want you to just keep on going, find another coach. But if you really want to work with me and people that this is another reason I've never been really big on social media is because most of my clients aren't. Yeah. Most right. of my clients, gotcha. they're hundred million. They're, they're not actually people who are, they may have some LinkedIn, yeah. you know, but yep. they're not, they're not, they're not, they're, their, their life is super private. Right. Yeah. Right. So, there's a whole different, there's a whole different space. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, what's the first thing you start? Like, where do you start with somebody to say like, it, cause it's, you're saying it's all about basically confidence in yourself. Well, that's a good aspect. Yeah. Because confidence, you will never take a step unless you're confident, right? Part of walking. Yeah. You see a person who's insecure and they're walking. I mean, they're stiff. Their arms are stiff. They yeah. have no flow to them. The, you, you can tell in a way their posture, the charisma, right? That is all presentable. I mean, that is all brand. When I came walking into your space here yeah. today, man, I'm telling you, you own this space. You're like a lion walking up in this joint. I'm like, shoot, this is territory. I better not roar, right? This is, right? <laughs> that, that because you own it. This yeah. is your spot. This is your space. You're pointing out things and, you know, this is, this is your space. When you own that space, space, when you own yourself in that space, when you have confidence, there's literally nothing that will stop you. You literally will be the person that will make whatever needs to happen, happen. Wow. And so we elevate people. We elevate people, the, 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 the understanding. So I have a guy I was coaching, uh, you know, he, he, he bring me in and I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend 24 hours with him. I'm with him, not yeah. with his staff, right. not with his team with him. He's high level guy. And as I'm spending the time, the first day, I'm, I'm, I'm really just saying nothing. I'm not you giving him talk. I'm just letting him talk, just talk, talk, talk. And what I'm doing is I'm listening to what Freud called the slips, right? The mm -hmm. slips. And so I hear him say this term, it's so hard. It's so hard. Uh. And he doesn't catch him saying it. And I, and so the, 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 we go to dinner, we spend all day in his office. We go to dinner that night. The next day I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm like, okay, let's have our, let's have a session. And I say, this is, this is what I found in all the, all day. You said this word hard this many times. And I said, the re and this is simple coaching. You simple. think it's simple, but it's scotoma, totally. right? It's, it's their blind spot. Yeah. And I said, the fact is, is that you say it's hard. No one likes anything hard. The last time you experienced hard is when you fell down or you hit a wall 
or you physically know hard hurts. And so when you say something is hard, you're immediately telling yourself it hurts. So I'm not going to go there. No one runs at a wall. Part of part of one of my books is experimentalist. Experimentalist is a part of this, one of the statements is to be able to run full on at a wall, knowing that the wall is going to break. I'm not going to understanding that God is giving you this power to break through limitations. Well, when you tell when you tell yourself something's hard, you immediately build a wall that you're not going to give. You ever ran towards a wall? you actually slow down right yeah, before you right, get there yeah. and you kind of like lean into it, but you never give your full force. Most people live in app- apprehension and hesitation. And so most. I said, most people. So when you, when you say it's hard, you are building in you apprehension. Wow. You're building in you a hesitation and that hesitation, that stutter step, that stuttering in your talk is what's, what's destroying that cell that, that, that yeah. that's destroying that, that hesitation. It's a blink to you but it's in someone else's mind. It's an absolute huge response that says, you're not confident. You don't know what you're doing. You don't, I don't, I can't give you, I can't give you my work. And so these doors are closing. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to just change this one word. And this is, this is not, this is not always the same count, right? but, but we're going to change this one word. And I said, instead of hard, let's, let's know it's, it's challenging. Challenging. Yeah. It's challenging, but challenge has never been a problem, right? Challenges are great. Challenges right. are opportunities. So no one looks at a challenge and says, oh, this is a challenge. Well, most people that are achievers, go-getters say, oh, it's a challenge. That means opportunity. It's hard. You talk yourself out of it. Yeah. And so that was a simple kind of, what do we do? We're going to first listen to your language. Second of all, I'm, you know, I have, I have a, I have an app that I take people through literally yeah. and the first thing is an assessment. So we do an assessment with you. If I, if I were to do it, we'd open up the app and you go through the assessment and you, in the assessment then is we pick the top three things that are sabotaging your life. Yeah. We don't pick the top three things that you're moving. These are sabotage areas. We're going to deal with bringing those to a place of management. We're going to put systems in the place of management so they don't, they don't kill your success right now. They're killing, they're drawing you down. Yeah. They're the crabs that are pulling you back into the pot. Yes. We're going to deal with those crabs right now. And then we're going to make sure that you are now able to allow the rest of the fullness of who you are to excel, right? Most people are being drugged down by just one or two things, right? Yeah. God says, Jesus said to the young rich ruler, he's a young rich ruler. He says, oh, I've, what should I do? You do this, do this. I've done all of those things. But Jesus said, there's one thing, right? So we can help you with that one thing. Most people have the one thing that says, this is what I'm going to excel in. But what about the one thing that's dragging you down? If we, if we just cut the cord on that, how high would you fly, mm. right? And so what we do is we cut the cord on those things and we let people fly high in their skills and their abilities. And so his business took off. It just went to a whole nother and level. he was already at a big level, right? Yeah, he's at a big level, just exploded. Because that hard, it was something he couldn't see. He's like, oh, wow. And it was like an aha moment. And so I'm like, that's that's what I that's what I did. And then with, with the app, so you're saying the when you get into you put, like you can find it right away. Do you find it every time you can see it? Is it like glaring? Like yeah, what they it, have? it is obvious because I asked. There's nine. There's nine aspects of life. Nine aspects of a person's life. Okay, that hold them back or move them forward. Can you hit on a couple? Well, I mean, first it's just stuff that you know. Look at yeah. your body. I mean, fitness. Yeah. fitness just yeah. Health. feeling fitness. good about yeah. yourself. One one of the one another guy I was coaching. I said, uh, I said, listen, 
I said, you work so hard, you come back, you never give yourself a recreation. You never recreate yourself. So how in the world can you come back in a new level of energy? He's dragging, he's got no energy. He's leading this, this company, 500 people. He's got no energy. And I'm like, you don't, you, you literally work all weekend. I said, this is what you're going to do. We're going to, first of all, give you a time that you have to take off during the day. And then we're going to give you Saturdays. You cannot work. You have to turn the phone off. We're going to have, make you have a Sabbath basically. Yeah. And you're going to recover. You're going to recreate. And then you're going to come out. When you come out on Saturday, Sunday, you come out on Monday. Now you have new creative thoughts that took his business to another level. Wow. This is just things that, you know, simple things, right? Simple things, because I'm not teaching them how to's I'm identifying their string, their anchor, and I'm going to cut that anchor and I'm going to help them soar. And so, you know, fitness, making sure that you. How big is fitness? Because I see these some people that are just the most incredible people on the planet, yet they are not in good health. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something there with a lack of confidence in a way. Yeah. How big is that? And I think I think a person if, if you find a person who is who is at that level, what they have a tendency to do is make fun of their lack of fit. Yes. And if they make fun of their lack of fit, they are trying to give an excuse for it. It's it's there. They make a meme of it, but it's just really another excuse of what they know is anchoring them down. And ultimately their their leg. They may be working on income, but they're not working on legacy. Mm-hmm. They're not working on equity. And so I think. There's a level of energy. There's a level of confidence. There's a level of courage. There's a level of, of, re- of responsiveness. There's a level of awareness that happens when you work out. Yeah. I, I, I have the best ideas when I'm working out. Wow. My ideas don't come when I'm in prayer. I'm in prayer. I, I pray, but my ideas come when I'm working out, when my body is under submission, when my body's not taking control of my cravings, when my body's out of play, you can do that through prayer and fasting, or you can do it through working out. Yeah. <laughs> I put my body under submission by when I work out and I make it hurt. And so, but at that time, I'm now, my spirit life is taken off. My, my soul is lifted. Mm. And so I think working out is huge, huge family. Family. There, there's, there's, there's a lot of people. One guy that I was coaching, top, top Mercedes Benz salesman in all the nation, uh, making so much money, stinking, just yeah. so much money, and grew up in the Bronx. Uh, hated poverty, couldn't stand poverty, but couldn't make ha- family work, couldn't mm. make homework, and so we sat down, have a session, and I'm, I'm like, okay, listen, let's, let's find out what you want. We go through the thing. Family, families, families low, families low. It's like, man, everything is rocking. He's making money. These people at work love him. Everything's good. And the next thing you know, we find out he's like, man, my, my family's falling apart. I'm like, let's talk about this. I'm like, so, so you go to work, you make people feel good. You're able to sell anything. You said, do you do any of that skill at home? Right. No, you don't do he didn't do it. He doesn't. I said, well, you are the best salesman in the world here. You make so much money. You're rocking it. You're the top, right? Well, how come you can't sell yourself at home? How come you can't help the, how come you can't take the same tools, the same skills and make your wife feel like she's a million bucks, Yes. make your son and daughter feel. And so we just basically Trent, we just basically said, you, you, you think you're different at work than you are at home. And that's why you get the results that you get. You get results because you hate poverty. Well, you have poverty at home. You have emotional poverty at home. Why don't you hate that? 
Let's hate emotional poverty. You are impoverishing your family. You're destroying your, your wife's emotions. You're destroying your kids' emotions because your best emotions are left at work and you come home and you're dragging your tail. Yeah. Right. And so we just, you know, they, sometimes they just need a, a good coach. Yeah. I, I talk about that a lot is how, you know, do you give your wife and family everything you've got or what's left over from grinding in the day? Right. 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 Why do people, why is it so common? To just give everything we've got to the career, to the business, to whatever, and then come home and not give it everything we've got. Why is that so? Is it he never? Do we, take, do we take it for granted? Well, we take it for granted, but men, let me just say, a lot of people don't make goals for their homes. Mm. They make goals for their work. We're going to set this. You know, they forecast things for work. One of the things when I do marital counseling, I I mean, pre, I do premarital counseling. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what we're going to do is I can, I can tell you guys love each other. You're so cute. My first goal is to see if I can break you up before you get married. My second goal is if you want to continue forward to give you, to go and dream with you, what does five years look like? And five years from now, I want you to, I want you right now, you both to, to sit down and I want you to dream about, tell me like in minute by minute account of what does a day in your life five years from now look like? All right, so you can't tell me. Okay, go home. In a week, come and tell me what a day, five years into your marriage looks like. Do you go to work at the same place? Do you go to work at separate places? Do you, how do you wake up? And then we're going to do minute by minute account of the first hour. I want, we're going to, we're going to spend an hour and you're going to tell me what this first hour of waking up looks like to you. Right. Most people don't do that. No. They do that for your business. Yes. They do that for business, but they don't do that for marriage. They don't do, they don't spin. Okay. What is the, what is this five, what is five years into it? You know, most, right. most things of covenant break in five years. Businesses fail in five years. Marriages are failing, right? So we have to know that five-year mark is- That's why this five years is significant. That's why that's significant. Okay. So five years from now, you're waking up. What alarm do you, when I'm, when I'm coaching people, go to the next level. You're five years from now, you're waking up. What, al what, alar what, kind of, what kind of alarm do you wake up to? Do you allow alarm to wake you up? What kind of toothpaste do you use? What kind of toothbrush do you use? And we're going, I want you to, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to envision exactly what you're going to be doing five years from now. So that it's not, so it's, it's recognizable. We need to be able to see it. Wow. Right. And so we do that. We dial it in with marriage. We dial it in with family. And most people don't actually plan their lives. They, they, most people spend more time planning a vacation than they do planning their lives. Their actual life. Yeah. So they'll plan a vacation, you know, we're going to rent an RV, buddy. We're going to get that RV, get it going. <laughs> we're going to dig an RV to Coeur d'Alene this week, right? Right. They do that. They spend all of that time, but they have not spent that time planning, planning their life. They actually just work where they work because it fell into their lap. They didn't plan where they were going. And so you have to plan where you're going. You have to actually set something in front of you and then take the actions necessary to get there. This is so good right here. Seriously, right here. This lane right here. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's like the number one biggest problem of why there's so many divorces, why the families are so messed up, why kids are so messed up. Yeah. Well, kids know when you're not intentional. Correct. Kids, I mean, they're, they are so authentic. They know when you're not intentional. When you're not intentional, you're guessing. You're like, oh, we're going to play it by the hip. Well, people know when you're hipping it. And so, you know, we need to be intentional. And they can feel if the vibration is off in the home and between mommy and daddy, if mommy and daddy are even together still. Yeah, right. If they're t together, 
they can feel that vibration is off. Yes. What does that do? Well, that, you know, of course, you know, it's like, you know, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown and the little guy with the pig pin. Yeah. You remember pig pin? He oh, has yeah, like, of course. He has the, the, the dust around the him. Dust around him. Well, that's what it's like in a home where it's not flowing, right? You got the pig pin flow. It's like, no matter what, the atmosphere is the atmosphere. Yeah, a child learns several things from a parent. First of all, learns, you know, think about the thermostat, right? Yeah. The, 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 it knows, okay, that child knows, okay, mom, I'm not gonna talk to her right now. She's in her thing. Uh, they're, they're actually now, their whole life is responding to how mom and dad are, yeah. right? They're not ever in charge. They are always in response. That's number one. Number two, a child doesn't know poverty unless a parent knows poverty. Poverty is, is, is experienced by the response of a parent. A parent says, oh, we can't do that because we just can't afford it. That's implementing poverty, that poverty mindset. And that also works in poverty in every level. I'm not talking about just financial, right. emotional time. To, I don't have enough time right now. Well, you never have time. How many of you, you've heard that on TV, right? At yes. least, right? Well, you never have time. You never have time for me. Well, that's poverty. And when you understand that, well, there needs to be a training that I'm in very busy, but there are times that we have, right? There's times that, that we, you know, take my daughter to go do stuff. She travels with me or my son travels with me. There's times that we go, okay, listen, you're going to come and do this with me and we're going to be intentional about it. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, there's, we have to, we have to attack poverty. We can't make, we can't use the terms. I don't have enough. Let's say I will make time for you now, then I, I have to do this now, but I will make time for you then, right? That's not saying I don't have enough time. It says I'm intentional with my time, right? And that's something that a child needs to learn, right? Or we, we, we have money associated to this right now, but if you will help me in these next areas, turn the lights off, clean your room, whatever, then we can go to Disneyland, right? So there's now a, an understanding that poverty is not a part of it, but application of of my will and my strength to participate is actually right there's lots of things yeah. we can teach yeah and so this is crazy this is amazing i love this i think i'm loving it <laughs> i love this topic um so what is it like how how important is the programming in the home with these words this poverty thing was not just money yeah. it's emotions Right. Yeah, poverty is not a money thing poverty is a mental and emotional thing you can be depleted and not have the ability to respond. Poverty is about the lack of resources, yeah. right? So, yeah. so if you understand you have the lack of resources in a, in a conversation, if you don't know how to respond to a conversation, you are impoverished in communication, right? If you don't know how to, if you don't know how, what to say in a moment, you're impoverished because poverty is, is a fact that I lack margin or resources to fill this space. Wow. All right. So, okay. So now, so you do, you do premarital counseling. Do you do family I don't do, stuff I don't, too? I don't do it a lot. Do I do family stuff? I have, I, I don't, I don't do a lot of that anymore. Um, I do some, you know, but I, yeah. but I, 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 I try not to do a lot. I don't want people calling saying, Hey, will you do my premarital? Right. Yeah, it's right. like, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a, there's individuals I will do it for. Yeah. And there's individuals that I won't. All right. So now we're going to go back. Cause you're in your low to mid twenties now. Right? Okay. We're back to that. Okay. We're going to go. Cause we got to, we're going to come full circle here. Cause yeah. I still want to flow on some of this stuff here, okay. which cause I'm loving it, but you were um, doing the evangelism stuff, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. When did you get like with your your own church? Like, where did your career take a thing? Well, I ended up going to moving. I moved that down to Southern California to um, San Juan Capistrano to go into Bible school. Ah, so I that's how I get to Southern Cal, and I'm in Bible school, and I'm like, okay, I'm 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 in Bible school, but I know this stuff, right? I know it. And so I found that I could actually just come in and take the test. I don't have to come to the classes. Yeah, yeah. I come and take the test. I'm going to be cool. So what I did is I started an espresso business. I started in Orange County. I started a, a um, you know, in, Calif- in California at the time when I moved down, espresso wasn't as, as popping as it is, is, is now. Or right. the coffee business wasn't. Starbucks wasn't yet here. Um, Starbucks was in, in Washington. And I had an espresso cart right business. So I came down, wanted to do an espresso cart here and put myself through school. So I started one in Orange County, but Orange County didn't have any regulations for it. So I ended up designing the espresso cart platform for Orange County's uh, health health department. Yeah, yeah. And so I started an espresso business and put myself through college. And so um, at the end of college, running this business, I ended up selling the business, getting rid of the business. And then I go into full-time ministry as a youth pastor. And which church were you with originally? Life Church. Life Church. Life Church, Life church in Orange County, yeah. Okay. San Juan Capistrano. All right, take it from there. So from there, um, I'm youth pastor for a few years, do pretty good at it. And um, I feel this, this now calling to go out and speak but I don't know how to do it. I pick a guy up who's going to be a guest speaker at, at the church from the airport. I'm, I'm transportation at yeah. the time. And, um, he says, do you, do you come out and do, do you preach? I said, well, I, I'm a youth pastor. He goes, well, do you do, uh, camps, youth camps? I'm like, yeah, I'll do youth camps. I'd never done one before, but I will do one. And, uh, so he invited me to come and do a youth camp and it was, it exploded. It was just fun. It was something that they'd never experienced before god was was good to us and um it came naturally to you just flowed yeah and i've been doing you know i've been working with youth for a couple years my own youth so i just basically did the same thing there i talked to a couple of people who were evangelists and they would preach out and they say well in the first night you do this the second night you do this the third night you do this kind of take them on a a journey and don't just hit them all with one so you have something to do and that was enough framework for me and so after that, I used my sales, the stuff that I learned in, in some, I used to sell cell phones. Yeah. Some of the stuff I learned in selling cell phones, I said, well, um, if this was, if this was a good meeting for you, would you be willing to tell three other people? <laughs> and so I started my, my ministry with, um, referrals. He contacted three other people. They had me come in. And then each one of those, I asked the same thing. Would you, do you know three other people that would benefit from this? And then they all con and now I'm in nine and then 18. And then the next thing you know, I'm traveling full time. And, and then my pastor says, well, you're so busy traveling. Why don't you just go full time? You build a good youth team. And then I went full time in traveling ministry. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Now, are you married at this point or no? I'm. I'm just. We right when I started the traveling, we were we were just newly married, ah. and so my wife would I would leave and travel on Friday, and then she would she would come on Saturday because she worked and she worked a job for another minister, and she would meet me on on Saturday, and then we would 
spend the weekend wherever we were in DC, wherever. And then we would, that's how our ministry started. And how did you guys meet? We met in Newport. We met in Newport. A friend was having a birthday party, my my friend. And he says, I, I invited some other people to come. I'm like, oh man, it's just, I thought it was just going to be us guys hanging out, going yeah. to eat. And he says, well, I invited two girls. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bring my other roommate so that we don't have just a, a, a couples. Yeah, right? right. So three guys, two girls, we just hang out and and as um, soon as I saw her, I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. You you look familiar to me because I've been praying for my wife for many years. You have. She'd been praying for me. And it was like a recognition. And in, in so what were you praying for? I was praying for I was praying for a wife that, you know, loved family that could have legacy. You know, I just prayed all the things that I thought I would that would benefit us together in achieving. Someone <laughs> that was ministry minded. I I talked to some girls before and I'd say, what are you called to do? That was my number one. That was my lead question. What are you called to do? And they'd say, oh, I'm waiting for my husband, waiting to find out what he's called to do. And I'm like, mm. yeah, scratch. Interesting. Well, and I asked my wife, I asked my wife that first day I met her, I said, what are you called to do? She says, I'm called to travel the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick and raise up orphans. And Come I, on. Said, I said, and I didn't talk to her the rest of the night because it freaked me out. I was like, she hit the mark right so there. You, you did not dig further? I didn't dig further. I was like, okay, this is too crazy. She's really, really attractive to me. And the fact is, you know, she said this, this made it even more attractive and it's crazy. And I'm not going to, because I'm not here for that. And then. So hold on. So she tells you her calling <laughs> and you say, okay, cool. Nice to meet you and walked away. Yeah. I just kind of stayed away. I just kind of stayed away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My, that was my response. How, like, you, how can you not continue that conversation? Because posture, man. I don't know. I was trying to posture myself. I was trying to, because most of the time you're, you're not expecting the right answer. You're expecting some kind of like, oh yeah, I'm waiting for, but the right answer. And I'm like, okay. One of the things that I knew is my, I knew, I knew some things about my wife and, and. So I, you knew her already? Well, I didn't know her. I just okay. met her, but I knew some things just by prayer, you know, yeah, yeah, in yeah. prayer okay. you get gotcha. a sense of yeah, things. Yeah, and so. Yeah. Um, it was quite interesting. She gets in the car with my friend as they're going home, her and her in, in, and he, he asked her immediately, her, him and her, the other girl asked her immediately, is, is Tracy your husband? Could you, could you be into Tracy? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm just, just met him. I don't want to talk about this. She did the same thing, but in the car, I don't want to talk about this, but it was such an attraction that we, we ultimately ended up talking and getting together. So we started making plans. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So you're in the car or they're in the car. They're in their car. They're in the car. What made them ask that question? Well, they, they sensed something. Did you tell them? No, or did they no just there was no it? conversation. They sensed something. There was no conversation. I didn't say to them anything. He didn't, they didn't, she didn't say anything. There was just this sense that when we talked and there's like, psh. did you get her number before she no, left? No, 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 nothing, no, nothing. No, it, no, it was just nothing at all. Nothing. You know, it wasn't smooth at all. It so, wasn't cool. It wasn't smooth. It wasn't, man. it was, it was completely, if this was going to happen, God was going to do totally. it. Totally. Cause it was not at all smooth. It was, it was just completely like, breaks. Yeah, you, yeah, you basically froze up, froze up, just froze up. I'm like, headlights. this is like crazy. And you know, so, right, so hold on. Hold yeah. On. <laughs> So I'm not going to overstuff. You make it laugh. Huh? You make it laugh. Okay, look at this. <laughs> so how did the, the, did the next contact happen? Like, did you say, Hey, give me your number. Or did your buddy say, how did the, 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 how do we continue here? Well, my buddy, he, he starts talking to me about her Okay, and I'm like, okay, so, so you didn't bring it up. 
Well, I know. Now, I'm like, well, I did. I asked a question. I said, that girl, that girl, Natalie, I said, you know, she has, she has a couple kids, right? And so, ah. and, and, and he's like, no, she's a nanny. Cause I, I knew that my wife didn't have, she had no previous experience, right? So, yes. um, that she was going to be a virgin. I knew that. Yeah. And so he goes, uh, cause that, that was part of the thing is she was too attractive. She was right. But I kept hearing her talk about these two kids she was taking care of. Uh, okay, see, so you, you left this out, bro. Come I on. know, but I didn't know if I, if this was going to be super sensitive to someone listening because you, you, I don't want to be offensive. What do you think we're doing here? Yeah, bro? I know. We're this is real deal yeah, talk, not fake talk, yeah. not weak talk. Let's go. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, okay. And so this girl, he he told me about this girl that this other girl that he knew that was an ex Playboy bunny that had two kids. And so when he introduced me to you Natalie, thought it was her. I thought it was her. Oh, see now you're. Yeah. Yeah. So like you don't just hear this information and walk away. <laughs> there was other stuff in there. You thought she was a playboy bunny. You thought she had her own kids. Yeah. All right, keep yeah. Going and here. I just knew that that wasn't my wife. Cause I've been praying for this. And so I'm like, okay, I'm too attractive to keep, I'm too attracted to her to keep talking to her. And this is just going to go the wrong way. And so, but I later ah. I pulled him aside. I said, what's up with this situation? She's play ex Playboy Bunny, you know, with you know two kids. He goes, no, 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 no. She's a nanny, and the other girl is this other girl that's in Hollywood that that we know. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Like, well, okay. So when can we all come together again? And you so, asked him that. yeah. So basically, I needed to plan to do something with him. And the girl he was interested in, because that was her friend, and then we would come together and, and hang out and, and do so group stuff. Did did he broker the deal? He here? brokered the deal. He kept brokering how, it. How long after that? Uh, there was there was there was there was a few weeks of, of brokering, and you know he brought them to. He was going to go and do a trip to. Hold on. What what was the? Hold on a second. <laughs> what was the next meeting like? The original like you said when you oh when you found out it wasn't the Playboy Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic if you think about this. Like yeah. he he was interested because she was not a Playboy bunny. <laughs> True man of God. But it, but so it, but I could but at the but I could confuse the fact right that she yes, was the play, totally right. So it, it, well done, well done. <laughs> Love that. Um, all right. So the next, what did he say for the next meeting? He say hey to his girl. Hey, uh, by the way, bring. Uh, N Natalie, right? Yeah, Nat bring yeah, Natalie. yeah. Just and he how just, did it go? You know, and I don't know how he got it done, but he was he was getting it done. And one of the one of the the meeting that was really the most interesting, I think, was the next one. Yeah. Is he was going to go to Russia for a mission trip, and he wanted me to pray for him. I said, "Well, come come to the church, and I'll pray for you in one of the services." And so my wife was you know, driving with them, and she's telling the Lord, she goes, "If I go into this church and he's worshiping God, and he's really a worshiper, he really is seeking the Lord, and if he if he has power, if he has signs and wonders and miracles, then that it's just going to be too much. I don't want to talk about this." And so I, she comes in. This is the story she tells. She comes she in. Told you this she, story. she tells this story. She told this. She tells this story publicly. I'm there in the front, lifting my hands. Raised. So she comes to the. She comes to the service that. that this he, was the next meeting. This was the next meeting. This was the next meeting. When you told him to come there and you'll pray for him. Yeah, yeah. Were you setting it up? Did you know he was going to bring her? I had. I I was hoping he would bring her. Did you tell him to bring her? 
I don't Come remember on, telling. You, I don't remember you telling. Can say it. I don't remember telling. I don't remember. I could say, I, but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember if I did or not. Yeah, let's just say it. Yeah, let's. I did. I did. I said, bring her. Bring that girl, man. I want to show her something. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm gonna show her. Show her how I pray. With real, power is, yeah. real power. Real <laughs> power. <laughs> so real power yeah. all right go go oh my god so, so she so she comes i'm i'm just doing my thing i love to worship i'm a i'm a i love to be in the face of god yeah you know worship yeah. man and so for those of you that don't know worship it's a time of of you know where we extend our hearts to god yeah. and we make a connection if you if you're in a in a relationship there's a time where you need to touch someone and they need to touch you right when i come and i connect with you jd you know we hug man we're like yeah. boom fist bump hug yeah. because that touch makes a connection and so when we worship that's what we do we're actually hugging god we're making that connection with him and so I'm there and making my connection and with God. it's usually the music, right? It's usually music. Yep. We're singing, we're singing songs that, that display our heart, that present our heart. It's like a, a card, you know, we're sending a card to God, right? We're in the music. And I, and I had never done anything like that in my life. My yeah. first service and everybody's standing up doing this. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like yeah. I had never seen, cause I, I had gone to Catholic church where you yeah. just kneel and sit and kneel, stand, kneel, sit like the whole time. Yeah. I, I had never seen music or like worshiping like this yeah, before. Yeah. And I'm standing up and I was uncomfortable first service ever at Awaken. But then I'm, but then I let the the music kind of get into me and I just kind of close my eyes and I, it's like, all right, I'm not going to worry about what's going on around me here. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to worry about everybody waving their hands and singing. And I'm just going to get in my, I'm just going to close my eyes a little bit and, and let the music kind of flow here. And I was looking at the screen to actually read the words. Yeah. Yeah. And this is first service ever. And I'm, I want to tell this story because this is such a great um, little segue to let people know that I'm I'm uh, like this new Christian. I'm like yeah. this newbie, right? Learning on the fly here. And all of a sudden, I remember the first service, I started crying. Oh, like wow. Tears started coming awesome. down my face. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because I'm, you know, I've been bottled up for, th for 30 years at that point, right? <laughs> all of it, And I'm like, I don't know why. This is happening. And then I, I went to another service. The same thing happened. I'm just started weeping. Wow. Not like perfume, yeah, like yeah, a mess. But no, but it's, it's, experience. but it's coming out of me. And, and Dr. Matt said, welcome to the Holy spirit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Holy spirit inside you. He, yeah. He's been waiting for you to come home. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. Wonderful. You're, he's flowing. I'm like, really? Is that what that is? Yeah. So go ahead. Keep it's, going. It's, it's, it's God's touching you back, yeah. right? It's like someone hugging you back and God's hugs are emotional. They it's are. Like, it's emotional. It's like, it's not normal. It's you've never been touched with this kind of power. So, and, and on Sundays now I'll go in and now I look forward to that worship time because you literally, cause no, cause we're all, we're all going through a battle. Yeah. Every single yeah. human being on planet earth. If you're breathing, you're battling. Yeah. There's not no way around it. So that 10, 15 minutes of worship time with the music, it's a time where you can literally just tune everything out. Exactly. Exactly. And let him in. Yeah. And it's the most incredible feeling that yeah. I've ever felt in yeah. my life. So yeah. go ahead, keep going. So that's, that's my space. I love that. That's I'm in that, you know, I have, I've had someone come in and go, so what's up with the karaoke, right? <laughs> like, okay, let me explain this. It's not karaoke. We put the words up there so you can sing it. But the fact is, is we're experiencing this time of karaoke. worship. Yeah. It's like, what's up with the karaoke? And so, you know, you, if you're, if you're someone that's never been to a church where, where that's happening, it may seem like it's a karaoke moment, but there is a touch that happens. There's a, there's a hug that comes from God and you should give yourself to it. So, so you're, so I'm in this time of doing that. Yeah. And uh, she comes in and she's like, okay. So, all right, hold he, on, hold on. Are you on the stage now? 
No, I'm actually just in the front. In the front. Just in the front. Okay. Just, she comes in. I have no idea she's did, there. I'm just doing my thing. You didn't know she was coming? Well, or did, did he give you a pre-warning? No, I don't think he did. You don't think? I, I <laughs> think you knew she was coming. You had the, you had the, you had the gear I was, on. I was, I was ready. I was you, set up. You were set up. <laughs> you had the gear. Like, what were you wearing? You were, you were flossing. I was a youth pastor, so I was, probably, I was probably like... Just doing right. youthy things. So supposedly you didn't know supposedly, she was there. Yeah, we're doing the we're doing the the, the air quotes right now. <laughs> supposedly you didn't know she was there. I didn't know. I was just minding my own business. Yeah, oh my god! Where she be with all the fullness of my heart? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know she, when did you see that she was there? Well, I think I ended up. You know, Pastor Phil said, yeah. "Well, you, you know, we're going to have people come forward." This was my pastor. We're going to have people come forward. What's Phil's last name? Muncie. Muncie, okay. And we're going to have people come forward and, and we're going to have Tracy pray and we're going to pray. And so um, I'm just praying and I look and I see her there and I call my friend Daryl. So are you just praying individually I'm with each person? Praying, yeah, down, you're not doing it on a mic or no, anything? No, they're coming down the line. Okay. And I'm just going from one to another. Are you praying. dropping anybody? Like They're all falling. <laughs> <laughs> they're all yeah, you, you hearing this uh andy okay so, so you know, by, all right explain and why what i mean by that you dropping anybody explain what they're falling and dropping means yeah yeah okay so we're getting into some so real she, serious now, did, now hold on did 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 she did you know she's watching at this point I, well when i when i turned around and i saw daryl there and my friend you know him and his girl and in my you know my wife <laughs> my wife yeah you know, she wasn't my wife then but you know natalie um I'm like, yeah, I knew. And I called Daryl up. Come on, let me pray for you so you can get your thing. And so, yeah. But I had no idea. She's thinking, this guy has to be a man of God. He has to have power. You didn't even know this at this point. No, I had no idea. No idea. No, but this is just, you know, the flow. Okay, so, all right, talk about what it means to, to drop someone or to lay them out. <laughs> okay, so there's a term. There's a, you know, Christian-y, you know, every, every kind of space has its own language, right? Yeah. Because it's... Yeah. You know, lawyers have their language, doctors have their language, fitness people have their language, church people have their language, right? Pentecostals, charismatics. So we have this language of when when a person gets overwhelmed by God, that they get dropped, like you say, or slain in the spirit. Yes. Right. And and people ask, Well, what how does that happen? Why does it happen? And you you just the simple the simple understanding is there's a level of power. There's different levels of power, right? There's the the AC, the DC power, there's power that's in the light socket, and then there's power from God. If we take a if we take a fork and you put a fork in that light socket there, it's gonna hit your nervous system where your knees buckle and you fall over, right? It's yeah. the same thing. You're tapping into a power that's from above, a supernatural power from God, and it's it's actual real power. It's like the same power of electricity, but it's just a different kind of power. It's God power. You literally fold under it. Some people fold, some people f like flop, some yeah, people, yeah. It's but your body is a nervous system, right? right? Your nerves can't handle so much power, right? And there's a part that your body starts to, to short circuit, not in a negative way, it's very yeah, positive, right, very yeah, wonderful yeah, way. Very, yeah. People get healed, people get healed of cancer, people get healed of emotional, uh, someone healed of PTSD. I mean, there's so much so much trauma that gets healed when you're in this God power. God power doesn't come to hurt you, it comes to heal you, deliver you, set you free. But your body will respond to it because it is power. Yeah. It is power. And so how do you, like how does this come through you? Yeah. Obviously you know that you have the authority. Yeah. 
And, well, and that's the key word, authority. 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 That's it. And even if, if someone says, oh, I have the gift of, a gift gives you the authority, right? It's your gift. I give it. If I gave you a, a, you know, a watch, a new watch this week, you have the authority to wear it, authority not to wear it, but it's your gift. I gave it to you. And so a person may have a gift, but they don't, they don't unwrap it. You can have a gift that's just completely wrapped. But yeah. if you take it out, you're now taking responsibility to use it, to use it, to, to do something with it. And so um, if you find that you have a gift to help people, then, then use it. Yeah. And so can you feel this every time that you're preaching, praying, like you can feel Holy Spirit coming through you, you feel it? Well, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's different times that I'll feel more inclined to one direction than another. So sometimes I'll feel like there's real power for healing. Yeah. And so we'll pray for healing, pray for the people that are sick. There's times that yesterday I was praying at a place and I felt like there was real emotional healing, emotional healing. So that's where PTSD, some traumas, yeah. things were healed. Um, other times I'll feel like there's a clarity where I can see aspects of your life that I can talk to you about that, that no one knows except for God. Mm. And that's what we call prophecy. So there's a lot of different aspects where the anointing, what we call that the Holy Spirit impartation or expression will lead you a direction. Wow. So it's not always the same. So some, it's like a chef, right? It's almost like a orchestra. Sometimes you want the, the cymbals to be a little higher, or sometimes you want the drums to take off. It's, it's more like I'm an orchestra. I'm, I'm like a, the lead of an orchestra and the Holy spirit is doing, cause he's a person. He's not yeah. just, so he's in, I'm in, co in co cooperation with him and he's lead. He wants to do certain things in people's lives. Well, I'm just literally in the front. My gift is to follow him. And I'm like, okay, the Holy spirit wants to heal here or the Holy spirit wants to say something here. And we just let, I just try to make that connection between heaven yeah. and, and people. All right. So you, you, and we're talking about Holy spirit a lot as though everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Explain the Holy spirit, yeah. God, the, the, the Trinity. Well, this is a privilege to be able to introduce people to, to the fact that there yeah. is, there is the father, the son and the Holy spirit in the Godhead. Now the Godhead is, is God three, three aspects of himself in, in one expression, right? He's one, right. he's one being that expresses himself in, expresses himself in three aspects. So the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And in this, this understanding that the Holy spirit is the God expression right now on the earth, manifesting himself and ministering to us and through us. Right. And, um, there, there is, there is, there's a power, but there's a person. And when we understand that no, most people say, well, the Holy spirit or a Holy spirit, they're, they're thinking that it's just a force. Yeah. He's not, he's not a for force. He's a, he's a being, he's a person, but he has no limitations. He has no limitations by body. He has no limitations by room size. He has no limitations in any way. He feels all things and is in all things, right? He's, he's the full expression of God. And, um, yeah, we can go all day in that, yeah, yeah. but the simplicity to yeah. keep it simple so we don't yeah. find ourselves in a deeper ditch. He is, he is an expression of God that he wanted to be with everyone at one time because yes. he is, okay. he's all present and all knowing. And he wanted to be able to express himself in all presence and all knowing all power. So if you think about all presence, all knowing, all powerful, you know, in complete in every way, you can be in Tahiti. I'm in Southern California. We are in 
he can communicate and talk to us and help us, each one of us, and not be isolated. Where Jesus was walking on the earth and he was he was isolated to the room that he was in, to the place that he was in, he was isolated. That was the form of God in wanting to express himself as us, knowing that we are isolated, but we have access to a greater power. How do we draw all of the power into a being? Jesus came and showed us that. Then yeah. he said, I'm going to ask for the father to send you another comforter. That that term is one just like me, that he will function in your life the way he functions in my life. Ah. And so the Holy Spirit has now come to be that that the essence of God's full power in person manifesting to us and through us. I love that. Perfect and incredible explanation. All right. Go back to when you were dropping people <laughs> and Natalie was like uh starry eyed. Yeah. Yeah. What, tell I me, didn't know she was starry eyed, but this is this is the I'm night. assuming. Yeah. So we we have the powerful time. It was fun. We go to dinner. So hold on. What like so the service ends. Does okay, she come you're up gonna to you? you're gonna get into some messy stuff. Come here. on. <laughs> Does she come up to you? Hey. Well, yeah, she comes up to me and she's talking to me, but then this strange stuff starts to happen. Oh no. N not with her. Not with her. But I'm a single guy yeah. in in a church. And there I didn't realize that there were expectant ladies. Mm. So they see something also with Natalie and I. And so they start to like like kind of try to get in between one oh. one girl comes and massages my neck oh, and and I'm like okay this is weird one girl tried to, I mean it gets really strange and so you know this that, was that day this was that day because I never had any I never showed interest in anyone before and so now the 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 ones that thought well maybe this was going to be interesting oh, I thought you using that word interesting they start they start they start acting interesting and so <laughs> And then Natalie starts to go, oh, okay, okay, you have a girl. This is weird. And so we go to we go out to dinner after this, and somehow all of these girls, or this girl and Natalie and these people are all invited to go. And oh boy. Yeah. And so Natalie starts acting like distant. She starts, I'm like, okay, so I I remember there was she was she said I'm cold and I tried to give her my jacket. And she says, No, it's okay. I'm like, Well, why are you acting strange? She goes, Well, you have a girl. Like, I don't have a girl. Where's the girl? Where's that girl that was massaging you. I'm like, well, that girl is not my girl. I don't know. She's never massaged me ever before. This is weird. And so we had to we had to kind of work through some of that stuff. And so did she take the coat? Yeah, she took, she the, took coat. the coat. She took the coat? So did you continue the conversation? I there? continued the conversation. And but when we sat at the table, this girl that was massaging me starts telling her how, you know, she thinks that we're gonna be a couple and it, it gets oh, wow. interesting. It wow. gets interesting. Yeah. What was Natalie saying there? Or she? She's she's my wife is is like super confident. Yeah. So she's she doesn't have she doesn't she doesn't play any games. She's never been a game player. She's not like that. She's just like, okay, well, whatever. What were you saying? Like how uncomfortable were you when she said, Oh yeah, we're gonna be a couple and Well, she was telling her, I didn't know this until later. I'm oh, talking to Daryl. I thought you heard it. No, that's I'm, I'm I didn't know this. She told me later, I'm like, oh, 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 this is a problem. It's and then, issue. okay, so then did you get her number? We end up, um, Daryl and I, and we go, we go to drop her off. And I, th I th that's when I said, can I, can I have your number? Can I call you tomorrow? There we go. Yeah. And so she gave me her number and she makes fun of me now because I, I, she thought I would call her later in the day, but I think I called her at six 30 or seven in the morning. <laughs> Something like that. I just called the next her. Next day. Yeah. Next day. Yeah. And so 
yeah, I was pretty aggressive about it. There at you that go. Point, yeah. Well, not that aggressive. Well, not in the I beginning. I mean, the first time you met him, just I had, totally shunned I had, her. I had the apprehension. But that was posturing. Yeah, it was posturing. Yeah, so yeah. it actually worked. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, <laughs> I see you. I see you, dude. He who cares the least has the most <laughs> yes, control. That's right. Come on now, let's go. <laughs> Life lessons, folks. All right, keep going. So what happened from there? So here's what we're going to do. Fly from there, because I want to get into what you're doing. We already talked about your coaching. Mm-hmm. I want to get into your media space. Yeah. Um, we'll have to, we'll, we'll do our best to land this thing pretty soon. Yeah. But let's flow from there, like into uh, talk to me about family, anything you want to mention about family, um, kids, give me the whole, go from where now, when, so when with Natalie, when did it get serious? Well, it, you know, I, I made the phone call the next day and we started talking about all the stuff we're into and what God said and all the promises that we have for our lives and they all match and that becomes very serious. So we end up, you know, probably within the two weeks, in two weeks of this relationship where we're connecting, going either this is God or the devil. And, mm. you know, cause it's so intense and it's right. moving so quickly. So we, we make this, we make this pack. We said, we're going to spend three days apart. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to ask God, are we, are we the ones, right? Are, am, am I? And then three days later, we'll come and talk. And so I, I spend my time and fa- eat and eat yeah, yeah. <laughs> and eat. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So we fast and, and the Lord tells me you, you are to be her lover. You're to be her teacher. You're to be her protector. He gives me this, this breakdown of how I'm supposed to posture my, myself with his daughter. Right. And so I'm, I hear, I hear like, of this is my wife, this is who I'm supposed to be, be with um, this lady. Well, I'll come back to that. Yeah. But then she, she hears the same thing. I'm about, a, I'm about a day into it and Natalie's friend calls and says, so how's it going on your end? She wants to know, how's it going on your end? I'm, I, I've heard from God. Well, Natalie's heard from God too. You guys want to talk. And so we we end up talking and sharing everything that the within Lord- Within a day. Yeah, you within didn't a make day. It to three. You didn't make it to three, no, but. Uh, we knew and it was, it was great. And then we had, you know, other confirmations that we were, yeah. we were right for each other and the right people. So are you made it one full day? That's it. Yeah. I think a day, day and a half, something like that. Yeah. I'm, it was, it was very, it was very evident that God was in it. Oh, wow. All right. So then what'd you do from there? How did it progress? Well, you know, we, we, you know, we started we never, we never had individual dates. Yeah. We, we actually dated as a couple until we were engaged. I mean, in, in groups, we actually would do all only group stuff, no holding hands, none yeah. of that stuff. So yeah. we went to concerts and I took her to Kenny G and, you know, Kenny just, G. yeah, there Kenny G's the jam. Man. That's a good one. Yeah. So it was fun. And, you know, it was, it was like everything not to just kind of grab her in the midst of Kenny G. Right. But you know, it was, it was just fun. We just, we just grew. And then it was, uh, Christmas Eve and I asked her to marry me and we Christmas got married. Eve. Yeah. Christmas Eve. I asked her to marry me. So we met in September. So what year did you get married? Uh, 95. 95. Yeah. So I, I proposed to my wife on Christmas Eve. That's oh, interesting. Wow. That's cool. It's very interesting. Yeah. Wow. We have 90. a lot, we have a lot in common, which is fun. We do. Yeah. So 95. Yeah. Holy cow. Incredible. Yeah. All right. So go from there uh you you how how after how long after that did you actually get married we got married it was from we we met in september we got married the next september so okay we met in september got engaged in december got married in september and did you all the stuff that you were talking about earlier that on how you're coaching premarital stuff now Mm -hmm. 
did you, were you doing that yourself all the way back then at a young age? Yeah, there was some, there were some things that we've added in, in the sense of knowing that we needed to talk about. So we, we, some of the things we experienced ourselves in talking about, Hey, what are we going to do five years from now? What does it look like? That's what we incorporated in our, in our premarital coaching, the things that we do. Another thing that we did right away is we, we made some, some laws for our marriage. Yeah. Um, one was us against the world, no matter what's going on, us against the world. Um, and then the second was, um, we never make, we never put each other in a position where we have to defend it ourselves. So I never make you defend yourself. You never make me defend myself. We don't do that. We're a team. And then uh, there, then from, from that, we all, we created these always and nevers. I always do this when I come home. Yeah. I had things that I always wanted, right? I wanted my wife to greet me at the door when I come home or acknowledge that I'm home. Yeah. Um, that was an always. And she had always, and then we had nevers. And one of the nevers for me was, never mention the word divorce just never yeah. say divorce is not an acceptable term if you mention divorce then my my the re response would be i'm going to pack your bags and send you to your family because we cannot have a life where we're we're trying to hedge our bets with divorce and then she said okay that's great i'll accept that and she goes and my never is never hit me i said okay i'll never she goes then if you do i'm going to wait until you sleep and I'm going to warm up a big iron hot, hot, hot skillet. The one, the iron skillets with the little diamond on the bottom. And I'm going to hit you all over the head with it on your face. And I'm going to burn that diamond in your face. And she's, my wife is from Amsterdam. She is no joke. She's oh like, God. and everyone will know that you hit me. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I was more afraid than anything. And so those were, we created these, these laws, the, we created these always and nevers. Love has always and nevers. Yeah, and so we yeah. created these and that's, that's been, and then, you know, I'm never in a room with a woman by myself. I never drive in a car with a woman by myself. There's these things that keep us safe for, for, for years. We never traveled. I never traveled without my family. I think I traveled. My oldest stopped traveling with me when he was 18 yeah. and you know, he lived this, but he traveled with me every trip overnight or whatever my, my all my kids would do that it was not until the last three years that i travel without my family because i grew up without a father yeah so when you grow up without a father you go i want to be a father that has my kids my family with me and so that i took my family all around the world they they've experienced nations and I they have that. passports and yeah i love that yeah my my wife and i we make it a point to everything that we do we do with the kids we yeah. go out to eat we go to lunch we go to dinners everything we're always with our family always with the kids always including them in everything um so how old are you now i'm 56 56 my man i'm 52 you got me come on i was doing some math here like i'm like because if you got married in 95 that means you got to be in your mid 50s yeah roughly yeah um, okay, so go on from there. And then when you started hitting, like, when did you, when you guys got united, um, the plan, did you come up with the plan? Hey, here's where we're going. Like, what was the plan? Hey, here's what we want to do. The plan was the, the be itinerant ministers forever. And in, and then when we're old and, you know, need to stop traveling, we'll start a church. That was our plan, but we were going to travel the world and we we're just going to be, you know, preaching and ministering. And then fast forward ahead where you're at like the last 10 years to now church your your own church right we have a church okay yeah. go. we have a church citadel church in seattle washington and um 
yeah, the good congregation, good community. And do you live there primarily now? I live in Seattle. Yeah. In Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Cause you were in Orange County for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was in Orange County for a while, was in San Diego for a while, moved up, you know, in 90, no, 2003 yeah. to Seattle. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So go on. Tell me about the, the church. So the church is great. The church is a community. We've, we've, you know, Seattle's had its, its interesting season, but we have a, our, our community is designed around building leaders. You know, my goal is not just to have a church, yeah. but my goal is to have a church where leaders are raised up, leaders in the marketplace, leaders that are sent to ministry. And so it's, it's, it's really that leadership focus and kind of high level, high level, you know, what I call upper room kind of experience. Awaken, Awaken yeah. is like that. Yeah, same style. Yeah, yep. but, yeah. And so, you know, we're building church. My wife really loves to build at church and we build together and, um, but we have a great team and we have a great team of people. Now talk about leadership, how important it is, not only in the church, but like in society and to, to, to move the needle at all in culture. Well, I think right now the biggest challenge is, is we don't know who our leaders are mm. and we're trying to, we're trying to see and trying to identify and the world is in a leadership a leadership crisis, probably, probably uh, the recession is not a recession of money or depression of money, it's a depression of leadership. And we need high level leaders. We need people that we can get behind that are going to be courageous, that are gonna be people who do what no one expects them to do. I mean, there a lot of people want leaders that they expect to do exactly what we need, someone who yeah. does something a little bit outside of the box because we're not a norm, we're not in a normal society right now. No. So we need people who think outside of the box. We need people who can solve problems like like never. We have the same ills and you know, I wrote a book called Experimentalists and part of that book is to study the the social culture, the social social experiences that we have in this world right now, economically, socially and to look back how long we've had these. They we've had them this is the same seven ills yeah. that the world has experienced have been around forever. We have had leadership, leadership after leadership, but no one's correcting the ills of the world. Uh -huh. And so we're in the same problem. We need problem. We need a problem solver. We need people who can make things happen. And how important is problem solving? Like, problem solving is the key because that's what we have as problems. Right. Because yeah. if you're going to, you're, I've always preached this as well, that we are, we are paid proportionally to the amount and severity of problems that we can solve. Yeah. That's why you're in business. You're daily, your, your, your business, your business with real deal mattresses, yep. right. Yep. Is in fact in business for the sake of saving people's lives. Yep and solving their problems. They have a back problem, they have a sleep problem, they have a snoring problem, yep. they have one, right? That solves problems. You stop solving problems, you go out of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sleep is the foundation of health and wellness. Yeah. So we we, so we dig in deep. So good. All right, so keep going here. Um, oh, you know what? So you and I, did we talk about how you and I met? No. Okay. So. I joined the Pathfinder program at Awaken Church, which is the, which is the marketplace ministry. Uh, it's like a five month intensive mastermind. I, I just got into Awaken. They said, you gotta do this JD. So I did it, I applied, I got in. I'm gonna fast forward the story. We were having an all in, uh, which is where all the campuses come together and all of the apprentices and all the leaders. So there's about 150 people in the room. We were at Colin and Melissa Hagenbottom's uh, home. By the yeah. way, they're the founders of Pathfinders. Uh, Colin is one of my best friends in the world. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. Amazing guy and, and uh, Melissa, amazing. Both of them been on the podcast. They're 
podcasts are like world renowned. They they showed their whole church, uh, Melissa's podcast in Boise. Um, it was inc- it was so inspiring. Anyway, the point here is the all in 150 people. I'm sitting there in the crowd, and Tracy's firing away. Right, <laughs> and you did your speech about or your preach about obsession. Obsession. Okay. And so I'm, I'm in here and I'm, and like, um, my, my adrenaline's starting to flow and this guy, like, cause I'm feeling Tracy. That's why I invited him in here today. Cause he's one of the most incredible preachers and, and speakers that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I, I, I'm feeling you right. You're right on my alley, intense, passionate, um, loving, just incredible guy that truly cares about, you know, people. Yeah. And so he stops his preach in the middle of 150 people and he, and he looks over at me and he just stops and he's quiet and he just looks at me and all of a sudden he starts firing into me about <laughs> God has put a calling on your name and you need to be, he's given you permission to become obsessed. Hmm. You need to become, so I actually now, this is a good segue. That's how you and it. So anyway, Tracy's firing. No one had ever spoken into me in my entire life. Wow. Okay. So that season, because of this, it, it, and a lot of it had to do with what you spoke into me about God has a calling on my life and I need you to become you. God has given you permission to become obsessed huh. to, to lean into that, to that calling. Yeah. Cause somebody's on the other end of that calling. Yeah. And, and Tracy's firing into me and my, my, have you ever had adrenaline where your skull's pounding, yeah. where yeah. you can feel the yeah. heartbeat in your skull. And so that season in Pathfinders is what la- is when I launched this podcast and it was had a lot to do with you firing into me and then the confidence that I gained with the people around me that wow. is why I launched Real Deal Talk. Wow. That was the reason. That's awesome. That this podcast came to life. That's awesome. And now since then, a year and a half, roughly since that since it launched, the amount of lives that this has impacted, Tracy, and the amount of lives that indirectly you've impacted because wow. of this podcast. And wow. now it's coming full circle to where you're actually on the show. I love it. And we're leveraging your voice and what and, and everything that you poured out and poured into me and poured into countless people. So talk to me. Let's land this plane on obsession obsession well okay give me give me let's land this i want people's i want people to get riled up now as we finish this how important is it like why are we all here like what give me the give me what you kind of spoke into me that night but you know just yeah give it to me obsession is is what i call a taboo a, a taboo subject people don't know what to do with it they don't they don't know whether they should have it is it okay to have it when you become a Christian, a lot of Christians will replace the word obsession with passion. Mm. And passion is a sub-level of, a, of an obsessed person. A person who's, who's, who's passionate, we talked about a little bit earlier, passion can be used, oh, I'm passionate about spaghetti, right? Yeah. I, I want it to be al dente, right? You, you know, you're the passionate about things. But when you're obsessed, you literally, literally surround it. The word obsession is comes from a Latin word, obsessio. Obsessio means to build a barricade around something, to hem it in, to to keep everything that would hold it or destroy it out. Yeah. So when you become someone obsessed, your your mind is focused on it. Your emotions are headed toward everything you do is driven for it. You are you are you are absolutely um, overwhelmed with it. A lot of people don't give themselves to being overwhelmed with a 
an ambition they give themselves with being overwhelmed with a problem. Yes. We give ourselves to being overwhelmed with an ambition. I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop working towards, it. I can't stop doing it. I, and so I study obsessed people, my book experimentalist, I study obsessed people, people who are obsessed with an idea. Uh, you, you think about, um, you know, one of my, my favorite is PT Barnum. PT yeah. Barnum is, was an absolutely obsessed person with creating, and finding the oddities of life, fighting that which was, and he had two things that he was obsessed about, things that were really small or things that were really large. And if, he, and nothing in the middle, an obsessed person doesn't get satisfied with common. An obsessed person wants only the uncommon, the outliers of life. They want that higher level. You think about, you know, you think about, um, you know, Thomas Edison, yeah. obsessed, obsessed with not just the light, the light bulb or light, because there was the light bulbs, but they weren't safe enough to bring into the house. And so he's obsessed with uh, making a light bulb that you can bring into the house and it's safe where the house doesn't catch on fire. You know, right. You, you think about um, uh, this Mother Teresa that's obsessed with yeah. the poverty that people need to have permission to be obsessed. And I think what God did for you is he gave you permission to unleash all of the emotions and, and permission to use all of the energy that is that is associated to your obsession to move forward on it. And I'm obsessed with obsessed people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, Albert Einstein was obsessed with the universe and found and discovered, you know, one of the greatest discoveries in the world, which is, you know, the that the thing that everyone takes and creates atom bombs, but he creates, he, he found the theory of relativity, right? But he's obsessed with the universe. He wasn't obsessed with the theory. He was obsessed with the universe and saw something taught on that obsession for 17 years without anybody paying attention, talked about in universities. No one really paid attention. One day an eclipse happens, a kind of an eclipse that didn't only can happen to prove his theory, that theory, that theory and that eclipse launched him into the being a rock star level right. scientist. Change obsession is the only way the world has ever had any invention, any creation happens because of obsession. I, I mean, we can go on all day. Obsession yeah. is the the permission that a person needs. You need to be have permission to be obsessed because people think it's weird. Obsession is yeah. the weird guy yeah. that's poking his eyes through a window, looking in strange things, right? So, no, that's not an obsession. Obsession is the fact that we have something to achieve in the earth and we need to do it. Someone says to me, what was Jesus' obsession? Jesus was obsessed with his father's business, right? So we have this, this responsibility to manifest the, the absolute barricade around an idea until we bring it to pass. And so for people listening, watching, or people that you coach, where do you start? If like, I wanna become obsessed with something. Can yeah. you teach it? Can you have somebody find it? I think it? it's a discovery. And I think sometimes we are obsessed, we've been obsessed with things and we've told ourselves it's not right. It's not right. It's not obsessed. It's not right that I'm obsessed with dancing. It's not a right. And they, they, they don't feel permission. And I think that allowing that rediscovery 
of dreams and allowing the rediscovery of things. Because if a person doesn't know what they would do if they had a full on permission, then that means they're, they're masking something. And so we need to pull the mask off. We need to help them get to that place of pain or that place of trauma that is hidden, that obsession, and then give them the right systematic understanding. So there's a, there's a statement that Jesus says in the, in the Bible that, that when he was explaining his, his obsession, one of his things, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me too. So if God was to come upon you and anoint you for something, what would it be to do? If you knew God came upon you, God's power, God's fire, God's favor, God's grace, God's goodness, if God were to open up every door you can imagine, what is it that you would put at the end of that sentence? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to do. Yeah. What would you do? Yeah. And so that's what the obsession, that's how we find it. What would you do? If you knew that, you know, we asked this question in business, if you knew that you couldn't fail, if you knew that you had all the resources in life, then there was no limits, what would you do? That's an obsession question. Most people can't answer it honestly, right. because they're not willing to actually say, this is honestly what I would do. Because most of what they would say is nothing compared to what they're actually doing. Wow, It's so far away from it. But if you had no, you had no, you knew you couldn't fail, and you had no, you had no resource limitations, you had no limitations of the people that could get behind you. What would you do? You would start real deal talk. Yeah. So why do people settle? Why do people, so many people settle their whole life without ever becoming obsessed? Permission. 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 It's the fact that everyone, we, we have a tendency to grow up looking for everyone's response to what we're doing. Mm. And when we grow up looking for everyone's response to what we're doing, we gauge whether or not it's right or wrong. Yeah. A kid dances in front of a, a, a group of people to see their response. If their response is like, yay, then they'll keep doing it. If their response is like weird, they'll stop. And so we end up building these, these trigger points within our soul. Mm. And we do that as an adult. We do that as an adult. We watch little micro movements of a person and we go, oh, they're not accepting this or, or they're accepting this. And we have that built in that we get back to that trail. But what happens if we actually kill all those micro, micro, micro little engagements of trauma and triggers that you don't actually have the ability to be embarrassed? One of the things we teach, I teach in the fact that we're going to be overcoming, you know, the things that hold us back is shame. A lot of people will never move forward because they're too ashamed of what they, what would happen. This, that shame barrier is the limitation. You know, you have to be able to break through the shame. You have to be able to, in order to be an obsessed person, you cannot be embarrassed. You cannot be ashamed of it. You have to learn from it, but you can't be ashamed. You can't allow shame. And shame has a process. Shame has a feeling, you know, you feel it in your body before you know it in your mind. You feel it in your cheeks, your cheeks get red. You, you'll feel your gut cut, you know, you know, clench up. You'll feel your, your cortisone levels kick up and the energy come to you for no, you know, you feel these contractions in your body. Well, no, a person doesn't know that they're actually experiencing shame and, and they're physically feeling it before their mind ever hits it. And then they just make excuses to why they're feeling it. This is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do it. Now, they give them permission to be, they don't give themselves permission to be uncomfortable. You have to actually give yourself permission to be uncomfortable, to be an obsessed person, because there's nothing you do that's comfortable. Nothing. Everything you do is uncomfortable. And so you have to start living as an achiever. You live in the place of discomfort. Achievers don't live in comfort. No. Achievers live in discomfort. People who don't do great things live in comfort. And so you have to be able to give yourself a place of going, 
I have no, sh- it's not that I'm shameless. I'm not going to run around naked for no reason, right? For no reason. <laughs> but I, but I'm not, I'm, I have, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be shame. I'm not going to have shame. There's a, the, the word shame, the word, the word shame is, is, is an expression that tells me that I, I am, I'm not going to take action, right? I'm yeah. not going to have the yeah. action necessary to move forward. You know, it's, it's, it's so simple life. Yeah. If you have the guts. Yeah. And like you said, and you just tune out what people are actually thinking about you yeah. and you move forward and you yeah. never quit. You, you will become successful. Yeah. It's a given. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. But most people are so affected by what everybody's thinking about them, the shame yeah. that they never do it. Yeah. And it's built in our society to shame and mock people right now. I think is the, one of the things that I feel is extremely dangerous in our social media world is the, the amount of mockery that yes. happens because mockery is a shame builder. And so when we are actually creating a world where people have to pretend to be something instead of really be it, they actually are not as famous as they say they are. They're not as, and so they project and projection is enough. I can actually project enough to where I'm actually satisfied by telling you a story that I know I'll never achieve. Yes. Well, that story over and over, if I'm not giving the action, but if I keep giving you the picture like I am, that's enough satisfaction. And so we are in this position where people are trying to avoid being mocked because, and just by simply having post about something. Yeah. Oh, look at my vacation. Look at this car that I rented. Right. We don't we don't actually they have this projection. And so we're in a society where mockery and memes are killing ambition. Wow. Because we're just simply able to pretend. Dude, it's so true. So true. All right. So real quick, tell us right now what like what you want to get out there. You've got your media station, right? Yeah. Um, Your coaching. Yeah. Give me some things um, kind of like your uh, what you do and, and so people know about you. OK, well, the media space is going to be a, a it's my it's it's a space that I'm new to. Yep. Um, it's in, in the sense that I am not new to it. I've been on I've been on TV. I've been doing TV for many years as someone behind the scene, someone that's in front of the camera. Yeah. That's always been my space. I've never I'm the, the world of like lights, camera, action, you know, makeup, big lights, big cameras, that kind of stuff. That was my space. The new world of iPhone ring lights, that's a new world for me. Right. But the 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 concepts of media are the same. And so I've I've been in media for years, but I've just never been in social media. Social media is a different kind of world. It's a different space, but I love television. Yeah, I still love television. Some people say television is a dying space. If you look at the statistics, there's only been 5% of television that has actually been crippled by anything, Netflix or otherwise, because people um, think that Netflix prime are exhilarate, right? They're right. just, they're, yeah. they're, they're gonna have that as well as a television. They're, watch, they're gonna watch the news. They're gonna watch these things. They may use it. So, but TV hasn't been killed. And most of the, most of the like, if you look at the things that are on demand, they're actually owned by the major industry. Right. So, except for Netflix yep. and Amazon, but outside of that Hulu, you go to others. So when you think about this, when I'm looking at media, the reason I'm, I, I bought a TV station in LA, a small one, it's not, but it's an introduction for me to get into television. It has six channels. It meets in, it's in the LA uh, media space. And 
I, I bought that because first of all, during 2020, the Lord said, I was frustrated with herd, the herd mentality of the news. Mm. The news was leading the herds and the herds were, and I was just frustrated. I was kind of just, just, I was on a rant on online, on yeah. Facebook, on Facebook live. And I was ranting and I felt the Holy Spirit say, buy a TV station. I was like, okay, well, okay. I don't know how to buy a TV station. I don't even know anything about TV. Yeah. Not in that aspect, not the business of television. So I found a TV station, bought, bought a TV station. It gave me credibility to what I was already working on, right. which was a on-demand, independent filmmakers TV streaming channel. Um, I found that independent independent filmmakers are independent because they're independent. And it's very hard to create a space for independent filmmakers yeah. without, you know, there's, there's a certain place plat platform. So I'm combining the independent space with the, with the media, with the television space, the, the traditional space. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to build a disruption. We're going to disrupt this space. It's going to be actually really fun. Um, part of the project, the launch project is I'm developing a kingdom based masterclass, um, not, not preachers, but yeah. just people who are the best of the best in the world of what they are. Wow. And, um, that's, that's, that's our next level. So if you, you know, if I were to show you and I'll show you after, after this, I'll yeah. show you what we're working on, but we have, we have movies, we have four aspects. We have mastery, which is going to be all marketplace, all marketplace television. Yep, yep. We're going to have, um, well, well, I'm saying what we have, that's the new, what we're going to have. But what we do have is we actually have, you know, television that's, that's like a, it's like a CBS kind of full content television channel. We have um, a news, which we're gonna make a transition now. We have a news 24 seven channel um, that's actually on air, on an yeah. air channel in LA. We have um, a shopping network and we have a uh, like a, a retro TV, black and white. And those are the four, and then we're, we're launching a faith channel. We don't have a faith channel at this point, but we're launching a faith channel. Nice. And so we'll have six channels that are actually fun, that are actually, you know, flowing, that are, that are out, right? And, and we have some of them happening right now that are 24 seven, but it's, it's the channel that's, that's running. They're not actually fully streaming, but they are fully functioning on air. And we're building a new brand. We're building a brand with a new space, but the ultimate on the, on the streaming aspect is going to have, it has, doesn't have the mastery yet, yeah. but it has the ministry, it has movies and it has music. So those three kinds of channels are, are in place and functioning already. And so we're already. And we're just going to, we're just going to build. So I have a new launch that's coming soon and, um, and I'm excited about it. We'll just relaunch it all. Um, in the midst of that, I'm, I'm looking for part of, part of television is having new, having talent, having right. content. Yeah. And so, you know, I create challenges and different things to, to have talent, to have, to find content. So I do, I have a challenge that's coming up for, for the people that in the mastery, which is, which is great is it's, it's, um, it's, uh, King Solomon's wealth secret challenge, which is going to help people discover how to create wealth on a new level. And I'll find some talent within that and we'll make some master classes. And, um, so it's just, it's just Love a system, it. an ecosystem that I'm working on. And it's at this, this level. Um, but you know, next two, three, four, five years, we'll be exploding in it. Wow. And so, uh, but these channels right now only visible in the LA area, in the LA area. And then on the app, the app and it's app Roku, um, Apple TV, 
those you, it will be in the next is 30 names of a name that you can give out or? destiny destiny tv destiny some, tv destiny tv some of what you're going to see is is not a rebrand but you can go and watch destiny okay. tv right now destiny tv yeah beautiful anything else how I many there's a lot of else <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where you want to go oh, with it man. We, we there's a lot of else i mean the thing Gosh. is is that i i mean you know when you're obsessed, you just have to. I, I have a, I have a, I have a thing that I'm working on. I have yeah. something that I'm building. That I felt like the Lord said, "There's four aspects that I need to put my obsession in. I need to put my obsession in real estate, put my obsession in a crypto space, and I have to put my obsession in transportation and communication." So I'm working on transportation and communication. Yep. And then, then I'll bring the other two in later. Love it. Dude, we could go all day, yeah. all day. But we got to land the plane now. Well, I'm very, very sad. I like landing planes, by the way. I know you do. So let's land the plane. <laughs> Get, let's leave the let's leave the listeners and the viewers with a mo, not motivation, but something inspiring mm -hmm. to 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 make to make a switch to or to flip the switch from going from whatever they're doing, not feeling fulfilled, maybe not loving their job. Maybe not just knowing that there's something inside of them, yeah. but they just don't know how to bring it out or yeah. where do I start? What's the first thing that they do yeah. to inspire them to make a change, flip the switch, become obsessed? Where do they start? Well, I'm going to give you two things. Give it to me. In fact, one, one is going to be a, real, a revelation, a realization, and the second is going to be an action. Okay. So the first is stop lying to yourself. Mm. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Be be honest with yourself. Most people are not honest with themselves. They're they are so busy telling a story and a reason or an excuse that they they actually convince themselves of it. The first the person, the only person that matters that you convince yourself with is you. You've got to be honest. Uh business people lie to themselves. People in business lie to themselves. That we have forecasted our projections and our forecasts and our business models and our business plans so much that we actually end up doing that lying within us. So be honest with yourself. Second of all, give yourself a five minute creative writing, sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil and turn on some music, something that inspires you, Phil Collins, worship, whatever it may be. Make, make sure you feel like you're in that zone. If you're a Christian, pray, worship, do, but get in that zone, get in that space, take out the piece of paper, take out the pencil, pen, or pen, pencil's fine. And you're going to give, you're going to start a timer and you're going to write for five minutes. Just write. Don't think about punctuation. Don't think about anything. Just let the biggest, most wildest, most craziest imagination hit you and dream about your tomorrow dream just write out for five minutes just go don't hold back don't lift your pen or paper don't let you, don't lift your pencil off of the paper keep it going don't think let it flow just let it flow right like dreams and aspirations yeah and just 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 this is where my future is just write and don't don't give yourself all these extra parameters because if you give yourself all the extra parameters you're now limiting you're just going big big dream big things big and then just this and then after the when the alarm goes off five minutes the alarm goes off go back and read it 
when you read it, I want you to highlight three things that you have never seen before or three things that you need to take action on and just put one, two, three and around those areas and then take those things, separate those things at the bottom of part of the paper, paper or the next page. And then this week for those three things that you saw, you're going to do an action every week for the next six weeks. You're going to take action on them every week. You're going to do, you're not going to rewrite creatively, but you're going to take those three things. And this week, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for number two. I'm going to do this for number three. Now we're giving action because action is the only way to get results. Right. Then the next week you've accomplished those. The next week you're going to do the same thing. Then the next, within six weeks, you will have busted through and broken into something completely new and you will, you will be unstoppable. And you'll become obsessed. You'll become obsessed. You're obsessed. You'll actually give permission to your obsession when you start doing creative writing. And how important is it to do this like with your 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 spouse? Well, first you have your spouse do it and you do it separately. Separately. And then sit down and and then look at what the each other's doing and look at each other's plans yeah. and see what fits. You mark your individual three together. I mean, if, then then if you want to, before before you do it together, do it individually. Yes. Right. Do it individually. Right, right. And then you can come and then you can mold them together. But I want you to take action individually on them so that you both have identity in your relationship and you don't actually mask one another. And so is this for right now, couples that are listening or one person that's listening, realizing their relationship is stagnant at this point. Yeah. Well, you got to you. Is that where you, is this it, a good place it, to start for that as yeah, well? Yeah, good place to start internal vision. And I and I'd say if you're gonna if you're a couple and you have a stagnant thing, it means the the perishing of the relationship is because the vision is perished, right? You mm. don't have a vision. So I would say even yes, you could do the corporate, the, you know, you do the the creative writing, but go to the five year thing. Five year thing, okay? Yeah, five yeah. years from now, how are we waking up? Five years from now, where are we going to work? Five years from now, how are how am I? How am I participating? How you're participating? What do we do in five years from now? Let's as as line upon line, as minute by minute as you can break down a five year plan. That's what's going to get your fire back. Five years from now, as if it's happening right now. What's happening? Yeah, what's happening? Go minute, there. Minute by minute, coach. Minute by minute, I'm going to just. This is what I'm going to do. I'm. This is what we're doing. And we're talking as if we're there. We're not talking as if we're going to be there. I wake up this morning. I woke up by my iPhone or my whatever. I woke up by whatever it is. What kind of car are we driving? Who are we talking to on the way out of the house? Are my kids still there? Are they not there? Where? What's going on? And so just really get that dialed in. Get the fire back in. How are we? Am I am I kissing you or am I high fiving you? My wife refuses to high five me. Yeah, no. She will not high five me. I'm like, babe, that's a, that's another level of love. No, you're going to kiss. You're not getting a high five. Right. Because part of the thing was, is if there was any moment that we couldn't kiss each other, that that, that means that, that we put that rule in. If I can't turn to kiss you, that means there's something between us. Mm. And so we need to work out whatever that is. And so it's, you know, just having these things. If you found that there has been, you have no rules for your life, not legalistic rules, but if you have no things that kind of give you an, a, 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 hey, hazard sign, your brakes are coming, you're falling apart here then you will never know. You'll get so far down the road that you're unraveled your relationship. Yeah. You have no idea because you've been just running over and barrier, run through barriers and running through hazard signs the whole time. Well, you need to put some things in order to, you know, okay, this is how we know we need an adjustment. I pray for my wife every night. Every night. Even if, even I, though I'm here, she's traveling. I'm, I'm traveling. She's at home. Every night she grabs my kids. We pull on the FaceTime 
I'm in my hotel, my hotel, and I'm praying, and I go, I rehearse everything that I know about my kids' futures over them, and I rehearse everything I know about my wife's future, and I pray, and I, because my thought what do you is, you rehearse. What does that mean? Well, if things that I know, my I know my son's called to be a, a billionaire. He's called to be in business. So I, you pray this out I loud to them. I repray this. Through, I repray it. I prophesy over him, and I say it to you him. You say I, this in the prayer. I to say him. this in the prayer to him every single night, reminding so that if anything comes against him, he's reminded that this is who I am. Give me a couple of words of the prayer for him all right so my son's called to me so thank you father for yosef that he is called to be a wealth creator that he's a he's a billionaire right i'll say those exact words my son in the present tense in the present tense he is my son tristan he is called this this is who he is this is what he does my daughter sophia she's called to this and this is what she does thank you for my wife she's called to this this is who she is this is you know who she is who she is who she is right who she is who she is not who yeah. she's going to be no who she is Oh man, I love this. Love it. All right. So because if I can't do that, that means something's wrong. Yeah. Something's off. If she won't receive it, something's off. If I can't give it, something's off. Okay. One last, one last, one last thing. Leave, leave the, the viewers and listeners with one thing. I gave you. <laughs> I know, bro. I can't stop. Like, I don't want to stop here. I want to keep well, going. Well, I, I think, I think, you know, for business leaders, for business people, you and I are in business. I yeah. think right yeah. now, it's the season of big moves. Okay, give you it gotta, to me. You gotta, <laughs> he said, give it to me. You gotta make big moves. I think that this is the time to create wealth. And it's, it leader, our, our next level leaders are our wealth creators. Yeah. And so we need to be in that space where we're making, we're making things happen. The reason I'm in media is because I wanna control the, the narrative. I want, I don't wanna be subject to the narrative. I've had my, I've had my social media shut down in different aspects. They've shut me down, censored me. And I'm like, why should I keep giving them the, the space when right. I'm going to create my own? So create your own destiny. Create your space. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tracy Armstrong. Dude, this has been fantastic. I love being with you, man. This is fun. I, I want to keep going so bad, but I, I've got customers calling me. I don't care because <laughs> this is more important right here. This, this stuff great. right here, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Dude, thanks for coming, sharing your time all the way from Seattle. Flew in specifically for the podcast. Let's do this. That's kind of true. <laughs> right we made it happen just like when you told me that um your wife you didn't think anything else you just didn't want to talk yeah, to that, you know, like, it, yeah. there's a there's a realm of truth to it there's a realm of truth there's a realm of truth to this so <laughs> ladies and gentlemen tune in uh tracy armstrong bro love you man love can't you too, tell bro. you enough thanks uh, for having me uh, it's been a pleasure thanks for coming in real deal talk ladies and gentlemen that's a wrap let's go uh, uh.